What's new listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be covering the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi out of the whole Star Wars franchise. And the special guest I'm going to have on is Rojem. Say hi, Rojem. Hello, everyone. Yay, I want to thank you very much. Oh, I missed the hello there. I should have said hello there. <laughs> yeah, Star okay. Wars memers everywhere have been failed. Well, it's been the perfect opportunity, yes. But yeah, I want to thank you very much for coming on here. And this is actually not your first time being a guest on a podcast, correct? <laughs> no, uh, I've been a guest on uh, New Game Plus. A uh, couple recaps we've done for that uh, retro gaming podcast. So um, at this point, I think it's my fourth time I've been on a podcast, so well, I'm very famous. Just remember that. Try to remember. Yes, yes. And a podcast, I love New Game Plus. So both fans of that, that's how we actually met on, on this boy's channel was, was a podcast. I always wanted to listen to, even though I'm not like an active gamer right now, you know, I still enjoy tuning in, listening to the retro game discussions. And, yeah, and I think that's the good part about that podcast is that you don't really have to play along to enjoy it. It's still fun either way oh yeah definitely just like discussions that the hosts have Dustin Nolan Penny so let's just get right into uh Obi-Wan Kenobi uh again this is the Star Wars Disney Plus series which was actually going to be a, a, a spin-off movie once upon a time and then it was, and ended up being reworked into this whole limited series after the commercial failure of uh, Solo with Star Wars story no oh, that breaks my heart too and because uh, I actually like Solo, a Star Wars movie, which is a controversial uh, position, I know. But interesting, interesting. At, what can I say? But yeah, I, mean, okay, I would say personally, I don't, I have, I felt like there were problems with this, but you know, I can understand that, you know, different opinions. And I think that's with Star Wars in general, I think those are two different questions. There are problems with it. And even Obi Wan, I'm going to get into some of the things that I think I don't they could have done better but it, it, sometimes i can set those aside because even if you look at episode four which i think is, is premium star wars there are problems with it but i think it fits what it wants to be whereas a lot of the other movies do not which is why i, I dislike them interesting yeah and and, and then also this show was a uh, home by deva Shao. she directed all six episodes and of course she, you know she came over from the mandalorian directing episodes of that and I think I, uh, before Obi Wan Kenobi started, I was excited. I was I was excited to hear about that. She's, she's going to be, uh, you know, taking control of this project. And just because Mandalorian, I I, I love Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, Mandalorian is is amazing. It rekindled my passion for Star Wars. It had definitely waned since Disney took it over. Uh, I once they uncanonized a lot of my favorite. I'm like literally looking at my favorite Star Wars books on my shelf over here. And they uncanonized all that, like the Timothy Zahn series. And it just broke my heart. And Mandalorian, being a, a huge Western fan, as well as a huge Star Wars fan, it was peak. It almost became my favorite Star Wars thing. I, I only put episode six above it, but Ooh. I just loved the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for, for season three to come. Yes. But yeah, yeah so again, so focusing, going back to Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, again, this is a Star Wars series, so this is uh, the prequel series. 
And now, you know, let's, let's just give on our thoughts and feelings. Like, you know, again, non-spoilery. So, uh, Vojan, what are your non-spoilery thoughts and feelings on the show? So now that it's over, I think I can look back on it and I can see, I can see the vision. I can see what it was. I can say confidently, I think they did a good job. Uh, I think they've been learning from some of the mistakes that they've made in the past. I see it as... I, I ultimately feel a lot of time in political things, they, they do this poll that's like, do you like the direction the country is going or do you think it's going in a bad direction? For Star Wars after Obi-Wan, I think it's going in a good direction. That's my overall feeling. So even though I could nitpick some stuff, I think overall it, it ended in a good place. The episode one for me was, I, I was not happy. I, I looked at, I, I was rubbing my head. I was like, okay. All right, I can see what they're doing here. I like the like I, I got the Inquisitors, and oh, okay, good. But he didn't take his lightsaber out once, and 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 I'm kind of nervous of what's going on here. So, but they they definitely redeemed that uh, as the series progressed. Interesting, interesting. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be an intriguing podcast to dive into because you're pretty. I feel it feels like it feels like yeah, you're, you're generally pretty high on it. Which will contrast with my opinions because I feel like I I'm definitely uh, significantly down on this on this show. Uh, really? Yeah, because so for, for for me I I just be, I just feel like there were I I just feel, I was not engaged with this show as much as I feel like I should have been nearly as much as Mandalorian. It's kind of more on the same level of Book of Boba Fett, but with the Book of Boba Fett, it was a show where parts that I enjoyed. But I was really struggling to try to go along with that show, and I had major issues with it. It's the same thing happening here with Obi Wan Kenobi, where I don't know, like the stuff, the stuff happening. You know, you you got Darth Vader as a part of the series, and it's kind of like okay, well, you're setting up this whole conflict between Obi Wan and Vader, but it's kind of like the tension is going nowhere because you know. That you know, you know, neither of them are gonna die. You know, there's not gonna be any big stakes being set up because you you know what happens in the movie. You know what happens years after these events, with the original trilogy taking place after like what ten, I think ten years after uh, yeah. the series. So it's, and I, it's, I can see that it's it's it's, it's things like that and just like other and and then. I don't know, like it, it's it's things like that. But I do, I do again. The off part I enjoy. I think I think definitely like the last the last few episodes was more towards like four, five, and six, where I was like, oh, this is where I'm really, this is where I'm starting to feel the show climbing up, you know, in in the in the quality level. And I, I oh yeah. No, I I think I can I can feel you there. That I have the exact same opinion. I think I landed in a different place, it sounds like. But yeah, the first few episodes, I was like, okay. And then the last few kind of climbed up. But it's hard to, you're exactly right. It's hard to build tension when you know, ultimately, ain't nobody important going to die. Like, uh, you know, whether Leia or Luke are getting chased around by whatever, you know, they're not going to die. They got to survive. So it is hard to build that tension. And anything that something that happens is all three forwards, where you do face the issue of okay, we know the answers to certain questions, so how do we make the path to find to going along the story that's kind of already have answered interesting? 
you know, something yeah. that all people would face. And, and uh, look, I do think, again, like, I do like parts of the show. I do think, for example, uh, that uh, Ewan McGregor, like, I, I love him as Obi-Wan, as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he is fantastic. You know, even in, even in, in the prequels, which I also uh, don't care for, one of the best things about the prequels for me is uh, Ewan McGregor's performance. He just really just, he can dig into this role. And even if he has to spout, you know, some crummy dialogue, he can elevate it to a point where it's somewhat watchable for me. Ewan McGregor, yeah, he respects the character. And you can tell because he talks about Alec Guinness, who was the original Obi-Wan. And, and he, uh, he and Hayden Christensen, to a lesser extent, have they tried hard you can tell by their lightsaber choreography uh, especially in episode three they they tried hard to make a good product in in that and then ewan mcgregor you know being a decent actor sorry hayden christensen fans also could have elevate yeah that crummy dialogue to something better so i do he has such a respect for the character and wants it to be good he wants it to be good uh, and i think that comes through in his performance yeah and and, and then even hayden christensen who's Performance, I also was not appreciative of in, in, in the prequels. Uh, I do think it was interesting how he was brought back into the show. I almost kind of feel like you needed a little more of him, but I feel like for the bits where he was used, I'm like, okay, this is, this was actually pretty satisfying the way you brought him back. Like, without getting too spoilery, like, yeah, that, that's how I feel about Hayden Christensen there. I mean, it's but. very difficult. I, I, my heart goes out to Hayden Christians. It's hard to step into the Darth Vader role. Um, even before he became the, the black suited monstrosity we know him as, it was a huge role to fill. And I think we can all agree that he didn't fill it very well in episode one and, and two. Well, he wasn't in episode one, uh, but episode two, it was kind of like, okay, he's kind of whiny. Three, kind of, he got the evil, but that was more the script than Hayden. Um, and, uh, this one, at least, I feel like they treated Darth Vader as the menace that he was. He was the scary, he's big, he's strong, he's slow, um, and I felt he's more menacing than um, he could. But you can't, I mean, you got James Earl Jones, who just knocks it out of the park, so it's hard. Poor Hayden Christensen, what a, what a role to fill. He didn't have a chance, <laughs> really, if you think about it. Yeah, and then even with, with the James Earl Jones, it also, that's also interesting because it's like, well, they're not even using like the actor himself; they're using his lines, like you know, like the beat, they're doing the whole like Mike Hamill trick of feeding his lines into a computer, and then ha- turning it into all of this, you know, dialogue that's been created again artificially by the computer to retain that yeah, same it, voice, which is kind of I don't know. I feel com- 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 complicated about it. I feel conflicted about it. Yeah, I. Phew. Yeah, it was interesting. I think it's funny. The original, uh, it kind of is in the spirit of Star Wars because the original in episode four, the uh, the Welsh gentleman who played Darth Vader in the suit, and if you kind of go, there's some clips online unedited, you can hear his like Welsh accent uh, uh, Darth Vader lines before they overdubbed him with James Earl Jones. And, you know, thank God his mouth was covered up the whole time, made their job a lot easier to uh, redub all his lines with James Earl Jones' lines. Uh it just I sometimes imagine what it would have been like to have a Welsh accented Darth Vader kind of uh, uh, walking around. So it became iconic, but even in the original, they were going over the original actor's lines anyway. So it yeah, it's it's a weird. Poor Darth Vader's been just he's a weird character with a weird voice all the time. So kind of in the spirit of Star Wars, just yeah. 
Forget it. The actor doesn't get his lines. We're gonna just could be anyone. Yeah, but alright. So I, I guess those are those are my general thoughts and feelings on the show. I guess also I'll add, I'll add that I do wonder, like, if if this were to come back with a second season, which was the way that the first season ends, I feel like it could go down that path. I would like I would watch this. You know, I'd watch it. I I hope it doesn't. Only because I feel, and even you've seen that edit. I don't know if you've seen that edit online about like they made it into a movie. I have kind of cut some stuff out, but I have. Um, and I'm curious about that. I could see why someone would do that. Uh, if I were to, kind of, I rate in my mind. I rate Star Wars on like a few different criteria. Uh, criteria, and these days it's okay. The story is the story a compelling Star Wars story. And I think we've gotten away, especially with episode two, well, episode one as well, gotten too into the minutia of like trade negotiations and this is how the world and, and the lore, as much as I'm a lore person, it got too into itself. It was too complicated. Episode four was very simple. It was a space romp. Um, it was a, a, a kind of a, it was one of the old fashioned kind of sci-fi romps. That's what the vision was. It Han Solo, uh, on solo uh he when they were filming it uh mark hamill was talking to harrison ford in the original and uh he was trying to say like hey we just got out of the trash compactor should my hair be like wet and full of garbage and uh harrison ford turns to him he goes hey kid <laughs> they're paying attention to your hair we're in big trouble it's not that kind of movie like he understood the assignment. He's like, dude, this is campy. It's space. It's it's got cool stuff. They they modeled the uh, the fights uh, after like dog fights in World War II, like in old movies. That's how they did it, which wouldn't work in space. But who cares? It looks cool. So and then it, then somewhere it got too serious for itself, and that's where I rate stories. Like, are we taking it too serious, or are we having fun with it? And I feel like Obi Wan did have fun with it in a lot of times. Sometimes too much fun. And then the other criteria are like, does it have cool lightsaber fights? Absolutely, it has cool lightsaber fights. You've got to have cool lightsaber fights that are well choreographed. And I felt like those were really hit. Then do they have cool space battles? Eh, I don't even remember any space battles. So I don't think they were very cool because I have no memory of any. So that's where I kind of, I rate, I rate. is it a cool, fun story? Yeah. Does it have cool lightsaber fights? Yeah. And does it uh, have cool space fights? Eh, not really. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, now that we're kind of like speaking a bit, a bit about ratings and such, we can go right into our wind-up scores, which this is when we give our wind-up scores. It goes from zero to a hundred. So, Rojan, what is your wind-up score for Obi-Wan Kenobi? So, I mean, without going into my complete tier list of all of the movies, which would take us forever, um, but I will give you an idea of my my top and bottom. So, my very bottom movie is Episode Eight. It is the worst thing that has ever happened to Star Wars. It, um, I almost didn't go see Episode Nine. I was so mad at that movie. Ooh. And, um, well, in the whole Seven, Eight, Nine trilogy, they just there was no continuity. They didn't know where they were going, and uh, um, it didn't help that they switched directors. Ish. <laughs> uh, and then my very, very top tier is going to be Return of the Jedi, followed very closely by The Mandalorian. So that's where you got to get my idea of the span of what i i love in in star wars um my number is 89.5 
Like Whoa. B plus, just barely an A minus. I cannot give this an A an A. I but I feel like a B plus is a very like you should be proud of that grade. Um, I was a teacher for a decade, and I always told my kids a B plus is a you should be proud of a B plus. Don't be like oh I didn't get the A. They, it has some stuff it could have improved. It could have done some of its ideas better. There were things that they compromised to make a, a cool shot or a neat moment that doesn't make sense to either the characters or the environment that it's set forth. Uh, very famously in episode one, like at the end, he does this thing where he's walking onto the uh, the transport ship and he kind of lifts back his uh, his robe to get his credit shit and he's got his lightsaber hanging there in front of God and everyone. Like you have inquisitors looking for you. You are like the persona non grata. You are, are, are going to be flagged for death and you're just like, oh, let me just uh, toss this back. It's literally like having a gun on your hip and flashing in front of the cops like, I don't mind this, you know. Uh, and like, I feel like they compromised the storyline that they've been setting up about how he's in hiding and the Inquisitors are going to get him just for that cool moment. So they do that stuff. That's what keeps it from getting the A because they did stuff like that throughout the series. And I'm like, why? You could have just not done that. Everyone would have been fine. It's 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 fine. So it gets the 89.5. It's definitely up there. I eh, probably won't let it put it above the original trilogy, but it's it's good enough that I would put it maybe right under like Rogue One in that area. Okay, okay. And yeah, that's right. I've got that moment. That's right. Just having the lightsaber out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Let's just be all proud about this. We don't, we don't, I don't give a care. Let's be a little reckless with this. <laughs> yeah, I can't put this credit shit anywhere else. I have to fling back my robe that's hiding my incredibly legal weapon that pegs me as the most uh, wanted thing in the galaxy. <gasps> but, uh, <sighs> and as for me, my wind-up score... I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I was thinking about this, and I'm gonna have to go with a fifty-five out of a hundred. Fifty-five! Wow! Dang! Okay. I, I I think I I remember giving a similar score to the book of Boba Fett. Man, your action. But yeah, yeah. the book, book of Boba Fett. I think I gave a similar score to that, and I just yeah yeah like I said before, I think this was kind of a on a similar level to that. I think the book of Boba Fett, I remember having that I remember that as a show where the highs were that were higher and the lows were that were lower. It went up and down more as I was enjoying mm-hmm. it. Whereas Obi Wan Kenobi, I felt like it was more along the middle. Like it, there weren't too many spikes and dips and how much I was enjoying it. But it was it was it was a different experience. Not necessarily a better or worse experience. Just a different experience. But but yeah, for, for, for the show again I just uh, you know, and we'll we'll get we'll get more into the criticisms as we go along. But I think, especially for like one major part, where I'm just like, yeah, I wish this could have been handled a bit differently. And I don't want to just collect together into this show where I'm like, yeah, I wish, you know, I'm not nearly as happy with it as I wish I could have been. And I want to be happy with it. Like, you know, I want to, you know, I let, you know, I do, I do, I do, you know, I am a Star Wars fan, and you know, there are parts of Star Wars I like. Like the you know like I'm partial to the last to the last Jedi admittedly you know it has its flaws but I feel like I liked how Ryan Johnson was kind of like taking it in a in an interesting direction even though I'm kind of like well you should you know like you were saying should have just let either one just one head director handle it J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson. I mean. I'm shocked. I, I, we have such opposite views, and I think that's cool for this podcast because 
to have two people that have the exact same views and we just fanboy over it, it was uh, yeah, it wouldn't I be want, as good. But so I wanted to have like I'm a amazed. Yeah, discussion, <laughs> a debate. I can't believe you like I ate that much. That's uh, wow. We we are really really different in where we landed on those things. That's that's great. I I see, but I'm not mad at you. Like I yeah, don't I'm like I'm I can totally different opinions. Yeah. And I can totally see it. That's the thing is if you're like, eh, I don't like it. I bet you as we get kind of deeper into this, I'm going to be like, yeah, you're right. I just didn't care about it as much as you did. Um, I don't think we'll disagree on a lot of stuff that we we nitpick or, or like that. So unfortunately, Star Wars is just, oh, man. Where, what happened to you, my love? What happened? <laughs> it used to be something great. <laughs> I know, especially after all like this toxic. I, I, I personally believe that Star Wars might have the most toxic fandom right now. Out of everything, like, even like MCU mm. or Star Trek Ooh, or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or DC Universe. No, I think it's you're like, right about that. Especially with all of like the racism towards Moses and Ingram. And it's just like, why do you, people have to do that? And it's just like, I, I don't understand why you would. I don't understand why you would give that a moment's thought. Why, like, why are we even entering in that discussion? Like, it's a, it's a movie. It's entertainment. Are you, why are you this like toxic about it? Mm. No, I know, too much energy. Me, people are way too quick to hate sometimes. I know it was like John Boyega. He faced it too. Kelly Marie Tran, Daisy Ridley. You know, even I would say like, you know, Hayden uh, Christensen was also. He got. He, I think he got hit with that. I, I've heard about how like how mean people were to him. And granted, like. Objectively, I don't think his performance was good. I think it was pretty bad. But I'm not ever going to be like, okay, but he deserves death threats to come at him. I'm like, obviously, like, no. Like, people don't no. have to be that malicious. Or, or even like, yeah. Or even like, you know, the child, the, the kid actor, the, the young Anakin Skywalker. Like, I feel bad for him too. And it's like, he dropped out of acting because he got so much hate for, for that performance. And Stab was so mean to him on set. That's rough. That is rough. And I don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to bore your uh, listeners with my opinion on, on the world these days. But uh, yeah, when when people people got to worship something, and I think sometimes people choose maybe Star Wars as their, you know, object of worship, and then they kind of go on crusades against other people, which I'm not cool with. So, yeah. Uh, so putting that aside, uh we now have given our general sauce and one of scores on Obi-Wan Kenobi. So now we're going to head into the spoilery breakdown. So listeners, if you uh, don't care for spoilers and you haven't seen the show, then you can just pause this episode, move on out of here. You can check out Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. Uh, by the way, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I kind of feel like it could have had a different name. I mean, I, mean, I, know, I know shows these days... They have like oh like you know Loki, Hawkeye, WandaVision, like they're named after the main characters. But mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like it can't get confusing to repeatedly refer <laughs> to like the name and it's like, wait, are we talking about the show or the character themselves? Yeah. Maybe you call it like Rise of the Rebellion or something like that. Um yeah. Actually uh, Ewan McGregor, he did he did suggest naming the series uh Hello There. Jeez. <laughs> uh I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, I, I like the meme of it, uh, but I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, but yeah, I would so, say if you, before you tune out, definitely go watch it and, and form your own opinions because okay. I think yeah. they're, at least they're trying. Okay. 
They're trying, yeah. And you know what? I'm 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 interested in the other shows. Like maybe not like Andor. Personally, I'm not excited for Andor just because I didn't enjoy Rogue One. But things like Ahsoka, you know, I'm really I'm really pumped for that actually. And obviously, season three of Mandalorian, or some, yeah. stuff like that. Well, and I'm not even a fan of um, Clone Wars. I I have tried to watch it. It's just a little bit much for me. There's just so much media to consume. These I haven't, days. you know, I haven't checked it out yet, but I want to. I want to check out Clone Wars. It's supposed to be amazing. I've never heard anything negative about it for people who are fans. So, uh, I so Ahsoka herself, I was not familiar with her except in kind of, you know, general terms. Yeah. And I think Rose, uh, or God, I can't even remember her name. Rosario Rosario Dawson Dawson. Is, yeah. I mean, I I love her as an actress, and uh, I think she again has respect for the part, and she's gonna really have fun with it. So I'm excited about it. Definitely, definitely. Alright, so again, listeners, if, if, so if you haven't seen Obi Wan Kenobi, definitely watch that on Disney Plus. Uh, Obi Wan dies. <laughs> and if you have <laughs> spoilers, and if you and if you yeah. have seen, if you have seen the show, or maybe you don't haven't seen it, but you don't care for spoilers, you know, you're just you're, hey, you're okay with spoilers, then you can just uh, you know, you can stay right here. All right, spoilers starting now. So, first episode of Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, just your thoughts on the first episode? There wasn't enough lightsaber in it, but I I understand you got to kind of save that stuff. But um, uh, I thought it was cool to kind of see where Obi Wan was. Like this is where he's been. He didn't just sit in his hut for however many years until uh you know he stumbled upon Luke who had gotten beaten up by uh the sand guys. That's that's how good of a a person I am. I I can't even remember sand Tuscan Raiders. Thank you. I'm a Tuscan very Raiders. good Star Wars guy. Or sand people, the sand people as well. Uh, sand people. Thank you. You know, in my defense, uh, I work graveyards. I'm not supposed to be awake yet. Um, the, uh, I would say that just like Mandalorian. Um, and again, we're in spoiler territory, so I'm gonna spoil Mandalorian. Uh, the end of Mandalorian when they introduce the dark troopers and. I lost my mind because I'm a huge Dark Forces fan, a huge Jedi Knight fan. Those are those are Star Wars games uh, for PC. And the fact that they were bringing stuff in from that universe, I was like, oh my gosh. And it just like uh, they alluded to uh, um, uh, the guy from Grand Moff, uh, uh, who is the Grand Admiral? Grand Admiral Thrawn from uh, the Zon series. And... Uh, they, they kind of alluded to him with, a, and I'm hoping to see him in a, Ahsoka since she that's her okay. big bad. And so to see that they're bringing in the Inquisitors, now they're bringing stuff from Jedi Fallen Order, which is a, a PlayStation game, or, well, all those consoles. And now I see, I love when they bring stuff in that gets me excited because I, I love the ancillary, the, the kind of uh, satellite stuff. So I was excited to see the Inquisitors. I was excited to see where Obi-Wan was going. Uh, so I, 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 even though I was kind of, that campy little lightsaber flash and there wasn't a lot to it. I had hope. I was like, okay, this wasn't perfect, but let's keep going. I have hope. That was kind of where I landed on episode one. Okay. Yeah. For, for me, I think episode one was, I think perfectly fine for me as far as things go. And I think uh, I like, and for example, I really liked how it opened up. Like even like for the, the recap, it's going to the prequels and I, like personally, I was like, "Wait, this recap is making them look so much better than the prequels actually are." <laughs> yeah. 
and and then we and of course and and then we even even had a flashback. I I I like the flashback when when Order sixty six is being executed, and I just I, because I think that that's one of the best moments in the in the prequel trilogy for me is Order sixty six. I think that is truly like a terrifying moment in Star Wars history, and just flashback. I feel like it, it's able to bring back that menace, so little yeah. bits like that, and. I think my biggest problem with this episode was how it was introducing uh, Leia. So, and, so she's a big part of the show. She's young, young Leia Organa, and I just I I don't I I I know some pe- some people love the inclusion of Leia and the child actor who was playing her. I personally thought the child actor wasn't uh, giving a good performance. I was just like, oh, this is kind of like a wooden performance here. I also was not crazy about bringing back a legacy character, even though I'm kind of like, well, I guess it would make sense for her to be involved somehow, but then wait, does it really? Because why, if, if, if she meets up with Obi-Wan, then why was there no mention of them being together in the original trilogy? And again, like what spoilers, so I'll just say that it makes sense because then he asked her, like, hey, you can't, you can't talk about this stuff. We have to keep it a secret. So I'm like, okay, so you're including that specifically so that it can be, make sense for the canon. Yeah. And I just feel like it, 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 feel, it feels like, it, it feels like the show is trying to imitate the Mandalorian, like having this, you know, this, this you know, guardian taking care of a little kid. And I feel like this mm-hmm. isn't nearly as successful as that trope as Mandalorian is with Din Djarin and Grogu. Um, I think I'm more forgiving of the uh, child actor. I, I think she did what she could do um, with what was given to her. And there's yeah. a lot of, you know, I'll and I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 it's fine. Like, you know, I'm never going to be harsh towards child actors. It's like, you know, like the child actors, you know, but that, of, that isn't episode one doesn't have the chase the chase scene in it right um where she's running from the uh people yeah yeah um, and and back to no crew played by flea which by the way i was surprised because of flea cameo <laughs> there you go but yeah I, that was a terrible scene i i have to say i was like okay i'm yeah. not convinced here i'm just uh <laughs> you know they have this idea in cinema that's called the suspension of disbelief where you um, you you buy into what the movie's trying to do, even though you know there's no way it could work. Like Back to the Future, you know, you kind of ignore all the inconsistencies with what ha- would happen if time travel were actually real, and you just kind of go along with the movie because it's fun. And that's called that suspension of disbelief. It's a it's a cinematic term. So I was very much in the suspension of disbelief. I'm just like, I'm just gonna go with it. I, I, I want this to be good. I, I was buying in, and I think that's probably why I landed a lot higher because I was doing that every episode where I just ignored the bad things. <laughs> yeah, and then and then even in I was talking about the Order sixty six flashback, and I was like, wait, I feel like there are people child actors here who aren't nearly as terrified as they should be. They feel pretty casual with some of the child actors here, but I I feel like the core scene in general. But as for some of the child actors, I'm like, well, I'm just feeling this specifically. But yeah, and so uh, and then how how. Did you have any thoughts about on like the droids and stuff? Because I feel like I so we have this whole thing where Leia is apparently being kind to droids, and I feel like okay, it seems like it's being set up that droids 
like I, I, some people are mean to droids. Some people treat them like people, like humans, like they're be, like they're, you know sentient beings. And I feel like you're trying to set something up here, but then that never really goes anywhere. And in general, I feel like droids is such a an odd thing now in Star Wars canon. I feel like they're basically slaves. But Star Wars actually <laughs> doesn't want to acknowledge that now, and they're really trying to. I don't know, either retcon or just completely ignore the slavery aspect. Because then if you go back to the original trilogy, it's like, wait, R2-D2 and C-3PO are basically slaves. I'm not sure how you feel about this. So I don't know, do you, do you have any <laughs> yeah. thoughts on that? Even solo a Star Wars uh, droid, it's like a whole sla- a droid slave yeah. rebellion led by Phoebe Waterbridge's uh, droid. Well, I mean, so. clearly droids are sentient. And if they have to follow the orders, and if they don't, they get their minds wiped. Uh, it's clearly there's some overtones there. My opinion on it is, hey, I'd really like to enjoy my Star Wars without thinking about slavery, if I yeah. could, please. I, I just sometimes, there are vehicles for that discussion. Like, there are movies for that discussion. There are forums for that discussion. Yeah. There are, I, I, I try to, I'm like, please keep it out of my cinema. I just want to have fun with blasters and lightsabers and spaceships, please. So that's how I kind of feel about it. That movie, that droid, <laughs> that droid itself was just, okay. I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, okay, she has a droid. And it's, oh my gosh, it became a huge part of the story. Like, that's it's the Lola. hero. Lola. <laughs> that's yeah. Oh my gosh, Lola. Yeah, I could have done without that, but whatever. That's that's their choice, I suppose. Yeah, and then, we, so we have the Grand, we have the Grand Inquisitor and the whole stuff between the Inquisitors. We have a Rupert friend playing the Grand Inquisitor, uh, and Soon Tang, you know, aka Han from Fast and Furious, uh, from and, yeah, and he's playing one of the I think the fifth brother I think he's called. If I call his name correctly. Oh, I can, don't don't oh, yeah. ask me for character names. <laughs> There's no way I barely can re- remember Obi Wan. <laughs> fifth brother. First brother. I just double check my notes. Yeah, Stone Tang plays first brother, and then third sister or Riva Savander, played by Moses Engram. She's introduced in this show, and she's framed as the I would say like the primary antagonist. Well, mm-hmm. or maybe because well, you could, you could maybe say Darth Vader is the primary antagonist, but she's definitely definitely like one of the main villains here. Uh, how did you think Riva was handled? Like, but introduction introduction here. And then her like her whole story in general. I think Riva, it was it was difficult to do her because she was introduced as her kind of redemption arc in Fallen Order. So you have her as the post this whole thing. And so I got to know her through that. You very intimately know her and her entire arc in that game, which I won't spoil for people, but seeing her in her evil side you know before she becomes uh that character and that is very much um again i love when they brought that because i love when they bring other stuff in and they're making it canon she's now canon that that game is canon and that's so cool so i liked how she did there was just some again sometimes i think that the she does the best with the lines that are given to her she was like here's your you're gonna be mad all the time you're gonna be relentlessly uh uh, chasing Obi-Wan and sometimes it just gets that wooden <laughs> it's kind of like old games when you choose the evil path and you just do the evil thing even though it doesn't make any sense and there's no nuance to it just like when Obi-Wan just or oh, Obi-Wan 
uh, Anakin just kills all of the children. I mean, they didn't build up to that very much. He's like, hmm, I want to save my wife from dying, and now I'm going to go slaughter hundreds of children. I'm like, oh, goodness, okay, I get it. You're evil, but why? Like, eesh. So sometimes I felt like she's like, hey, I'm really evil all the time. And I'm like, okay, chill out. So <laughs> she, she was, overall, I think she was done okay. I'm not going to yeah. say she was done well. And I, it's not the actress's fault. I think it was the writer's fault. Yeah, I, I like the actor herself. I don't, especially in this opening episode, I'm like, yeah, you're telling off this one note. And, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. and I and I like how she ends up getting redeemed. I really like learning about her. I really like learning about her backstory. I'm, just cur- I'm curious, did, in Fallen Order, was her backstory revealed? I haven't played the game. Oh, so uh, yeah. Like, Yes, I mean, so she goes into it um, a little bit. It's revealed as the game kind of goes on, but not as extensively as it is at okay. Obi-Wan. They, they definitely okay. padded it, but um, a lot of it more focuses on her apprentice who, you know, did not a- appear in this movie, so. Yeah, yeah, Reva, I, I thought she was mediocre for, like, the first few episodes. I'm like, okay, like, you're supposed to be this ruthless, you know, inquisitor, and you're hunting down Obi Wan. But I don't know. I like. I'm just not feeling like. I'm not feeling like there's many layers to you as there should be. Like, I, I was kind of like, okay, ha- she has to have a backstory. She has to have like some kind of motivation. But still, I'm like, okay, but there's not really much complexity. I'm getting off of you, and I, I, I don't. I also don't feel like you're as menacing as you should be. Like you don't terrify me the way that Vader was able to terrify me, mm-hmm. terrify me at certain points in the show or at the end of Rogue One. You don't terrify me like, you know, Magneto can, specifically when, when Michael Fassbender plays him in the X-Men movies, you know? And I feel like she needed to be like that. She needed to be just, mm-hmm. like, absolutely terrifying. I like to, once the show ends up revealing her backstory, and then we find out, her, you know, the, the tragedy she's faced, and now what motivates her and how she wants to ultimately kill Vader... It's just like, oh, now I can feel, you know, I can feel like the multiple layers working within you. And that's yeah, what, that's and when I started to feel like more engage, like more engaging of a of a villain slash someone who may end up be, being redeemed, which obviously by the end of the show does end up redeeming herself. I think the trauma see and this is the cool part about books that you can really do. And Star Wars you had like Star Wars, let's say episode four, very simple. It's a very simple, straightforward story. It doesn't get too deep in the minutia like that of people's trauma and backstory and all that stuff. Now you got the evil guy, you got the good guy, you got the big super weapon. We're going to blow up this big super weapon. That's what we're going to do. Books can go into kind of the minutia of their inner thoughts and their traumas and why they're doing what they can do. So uh, nowadays we're not as accepting as that, I feel, in cinema. I really like that when we can just have a simple movie. It's okay. And it's Star Wars is a good vehicle for that. So her backstory and stuff like that, ah, okay, I'm okay that we didn't go so super deep into it and into her trauma. And I'm trying not to read too much into it. Like, imagine why she is the way she is and, and how she became like, oh, is Darth Vader a father figure to her, uh, even though he kind of killed all of her friends? and Or is she just uh, doing this? I, where I landed on it is Sith is weird. Sith people are, are weird. They want power, which is, I think, important in the canon. And so she's trying to get power enough to defeat him. So kind of using him against himself. That's how I landed on it. And I thought, okay, we, I can roll with that motivation. 
but it definitely doesn't fit in some of the stuff. It just doesn't make some of the things she does doesn't make sense. Mm. And anything interesting. Uh, and oh, and then also, uh, Benny Safdie has a cameo in this episode, which I was surprised by, and then I was also equally surprised by just how quickly he gets killed off, and his body just hung up for everyone to see. Once he gets hung uh, down, I, I'm not familiar with that with that actor or the character. Uh, you... Oh, he played he played uh, Navi, the Jedi whom uh, Obi Wan ran into. Oh, okay, that yes, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> they, uh, I mean, it it serves. He was a sacrifice to serve the tone, I guess. Again, trying to make that scariness, which is, but again, they immediately undercut that with. You know, things like him flashing his lightsaber around. He does it in episode two as well, yeah. where he's yeah. just not doing. And um, uh, what's his face from the the fake Jedi uh, who's, oh, who's yeah. pretending Camille to be. Nanjiani. Yeah. Yeah, who I, I love. Uh, I and I think him. he's hilarious. But they're, uh, they constantly undercut. It's like, choose a tone. You can't be like, oh, super serious. But stakes are very high. Then <laughs> look at the silly Jedi guy. Ha ha ha. So funny. Inconsistent tone. They do that a lot in the Marvel movies too, and I've just I've just given up on on my stand on that. But I do dislike when they they have a serious, very intense moment. They immediately undercut it with humor, and I I'm like, okay, it's okay. We can sit with this. We're big boys and girls. We can sit with some of the pain and the scariness for a bit. You don't immediately have to make a joke, okay? Yeah, sometimes that does bug me in the MCU as well. <laughs> but it's not, yeah. I'm I'm a Thor Ragnarok fan, so I'm forgiving of that. But oh, yeah, yeah it, it, sometimes too much humor. It's okay to have a serious moment. I mean, good night. This this famous character is dying or is extremely hurt. Let us sit with the pain for a minute. It's okay. Yes, and and, and then now uh and then now we have part two. This is episode two, and this is when we have stuff like uh the introduction of Haja SG, who is that's played by Camilo Nanjiani, and he's like this uh. I I found him to be an interesting character. I feel like I'm kind of surprised we didn't see more of him because he's like this this con artist who pretends to be a Jedi and he has some little magnets of him. Although I am kind of like, wait, so that's it? That's all you have to pretend to be a Jedi? Like, what if what if what if a certain task requires you to do more than that? But yeah, I, that's one of the things where I'm actually willing to be like, yeah, I can't wait, you know. We don't have to look too closely at this. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry. I think it, again, I think fans, Star Wars fans, which I am one, I think we excuse so much because I have an active imagination. So I just fill in the gaps in my brain and be like, oh, well, we're in a world where Jedis don't really exist. So Jedis, good night. Um, <laughs> sound like that, uh, sound like one of the characters from one of the games. Jedises, there's Jedises here. Um, I think they go... <laughs> they just say uh, this this is a world where jedi don't really exist so it's very easy to trick people with these simple things but then again they live in a futuristic society where like blasters exist and so a few magnets are going to fool these people how stupid is the commoner here in the star wars universe literally you can fly like around so i don't know i uh i again fill it in with my brain just because uh, i have an active imagination but you're right it's not really just don't look behind the curtain. Very Wizard of Oz. Don't yeah. don't worry about how that works. <laughs> but you know, again, Camille Nanjiani, I loved him in the show. Again, even though he didn't get to do much, I also enjoyed him in Eternals. 
And it's mm, funny that, too. that that's controversial. <laughs> yeah, I, I know so, some people didn't like him. You know, like, I certainly like them. I guess you like them, but nice to see that it's part of the MCU and Star Wars, two of the biggest fandoms today. I guess maybe he needs to be like a, in a DC Universe movie now to go complete the trio. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on that. Let's focus on Star Wars. <laughs> but so, what are your general thoughts on the, on part two? What happened to you? So, part two, I really like seeing the other locales, like, and that's something the Mandalorian did really well. Was we're going from planet to planet, we're seeing different stuff, we're seeing different cultures, because that's the, the again the expanded universe. You have these planets that developed their different cultures and their different ways of life and their different types of technology. Tatooine's a very good example, but it's overused. You, know, you have your moisture evaporators. You have your the the way that they survive in this dune waste that that has a certain thing, and they're very good at that about making everything thematically fit. So we see kind of this this city, this uh, kind of neo noir city that we get to go into, and I was really excited about that, and uh, I thought that was cool. Um, the storyline was was fine. You know, we meet the con artist. We had the uh, kind of running around you had the parkour scene uh which is fine i like that like i said i I, i'm willing to just forgive some of the rough edges because of a cool moment and uh the only real complaint i had was the the rescue scene which the i'm hoping this is episode two correct me if i'm wrong where he had the spice which hey uh Speaking of cameos, it's his daughter that gives him the spice, which uh, Ewan McGregor's real daughter, um, <laughs> who gives him that's she's the drug dealer that gives him spice, um, and she and so he uses the spice later to kind of like he's at blaster point and he's like, oh well, look at this, Kaboo! and he like splies everywhere and everyone gets all high and he escapes and I'm like, so are you telling me these hardened henchmen, these bounty hunters who are after everyone? They're so slow on the draw that they don't do anything about a guy reaching into his pocket, like digging around, like taking it out, and then like, what's that? Okay. I'm like, how did you survive the bounty? Bounty hunters sometimes are fodder. If it's not Boba Fett, even Boba Fett in episode six, they just, bye, you're dead now. Um, So the bounty hunters sometimes get are just fodder, and they're supposed to be these very strong and and scary uh, uh, parts of the universe. And sometimes they just get used as cannon fodder. Stormtroopers the same way. They're supposed to be the strong, powerful army of, of the Imperials, and they are just cannon fodder. And it doesn't make sense. So that, that scene, I hated that scene. And I was so mad about how they did that. Like, make some sleight of hand. Use force persuasion yeah. to be like, what? But no, they're just going to have him, like, dig around. Hang on, guys. Like, heck, just one second. Don't, don't. Uh, I'm not doing anything here. Hey, psh, okay. Good night. What are we doing yeah. here? Yeah, it's stuff like that. <laughs> or later on, I'll definitely, I feel like I'm going to personally criticize the, for, the Fortress and Quintorius heist later on in the show. And I'm just, like, going to be like, oh, you did this? That'll be, that'll oh my god see this is hilarious because we we're so opposite because i i see my notes on episode four and it's like hey that infiltration is neat so <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> oh that's hilarious we're gonna we're gonna land so differently um but yeah i again i just i man you gotta be consistent with the character why the whole move the whole few first few episodes Ewan mcgregor or his obi-wan 
I felt like he wanted to be Obi-Wan and the script's like, not yet. We got to save Obi-Wan for episodes four, five, and six. Just chill out. You got your blaster, you got your, uh, your little like slide of hand tools, you know, <laughs> that's it. I'm like, oh my goodness. God. And, and then, yeah, for me, this episode, I think, again, like perfectly, you know, it's an episode that happens. Uh, I, I, again, I still, I, I still don't like the inclusion of Leia, and it's, it's just, it's still, the whole inclusion still kind of bugs me in this show, uh, and, and, uh, and, and even the moments, like, when, there's a moment where, where, where Leia just jumps off the rooftop, and I'm just like, why the hell did he do that? I just remember being so frustrated <laughs> with that specific moment. Yeah. Um, um, but luckily, she oh, did Obi- that. Obi Wan saves her with a force. Luckily. Yeah, she did that for that moment, and they do that all the time. They wanted a cool shot. They wanted a cool moment, so they made a character do a nonsensical thing to make the cool moment. Just like throwing back his robe to put his credit shit away. They wanted a cool shot of his lightsaber, so they made him do a stupid thing. Yeah, and and then again, uh, Haja, you know, I I, I liked him. I, I liked how he was in this episode even though I again wish I, I feel like there's something intriguing about his character but it's not really diving in deep, too deeply into that into that uh, and then we also we I, 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 I like the inclusion of uh, Tamira Morrison you know I like how he's you know they brought him, they bring him back he's just clone trooper and how he's now become like this basically basically a, a homeless war vet and I think mm-hmm. it's I feel like I feel like that little detail for me it fleshed out a part of the Star Wars universe that we haven't really gotten into before. Where I feel like there, there are probably like tons of these clone troopers who now are just like don't have a home. They're not even fighting for the Empire anymore. They're just uh, they're just sitting, sitting around at, and and they don't again like yeah they don't have a home. They're just stuck in poverty. They're stuck in poverty and. I just I thought that was I thought that was pretty compelling actually, and it's a minor moment, but it again just adds a few more layers to the Star Wars world for me. Uh, did, did I'm you have any agreement with that? No, I, that's that's a really good point, and that's what I love about some of these moments is that they're adding to the world, they're adding to the lore in just a little bit. Okay, here, there's the clone troopers. They're still around, but you know they're falling on hard times. And it's little bits and pieces like that that really enhance it for me. So I'm in complete agreement with you. That's a cool moment. It, it kind of makes you think about what is going on. Mandalorian did that really well in its tone. You're seeing remnants. You see the Imperial remnant, what happened to them after episode six. You're seeing little bits and pieces of the world that allow your imagination to go like, oh man, what happened there? Or, and you have like a, a, a character that's an ex-Imperial and and doing that you have the character in in obi-wan where she's like a rebel sympathizer a beginning of the rebellion sympathizer and she doesn't want to work for the empire anymore and so i like little pieces like that so that's a good point yes and then we also have stuff like a, a reva informing obi-wan that anakin is darth vader and mm-hmm. and, and and then i think that was kind of interesting because at that point i was like oh i think like what I think maybe it would make sense that he'd be shocked by this news since he maybe since he would have thought Anakin had died, and that's mm-hmm. what the, and what there would be an earlier point where he should have like known this somehow. But I thought maybe like he probably wouldn't have known this, 
I am curious as to how, like, how does she know Fredo's path identity? And I was thinking that, and I was, then I was like, oh, it's we learn a backstory later on, though, because that's how she knows, like, Anakin has turned into yeah. Vader. I, 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 I like that moment. I also was shocked by, uh, by Riva just uh, stabbing the Granite Twister just right in the gut. Yep, just stabbed him, which is very Sith, and I like that. But completely undercut that. Apparently stabbing doesn't kill anybody in this universe. It's just yeah. Darth Maul gets cut in half. He's still alive. Quizzer gets stabbed. Spoilers, he's still alive. Uh, she gets stabbed and still alive. Everyone's the, still alive. Apparently anything between your chest and your thighs, no vital organs there. None at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, cool, cool. I, I agree. That's a cool moment. And to see... Again, Ewan McGregor's a good actor, so he is able to kind of have that powerful moment. And it's an important moment because, mm-hmm. and they did, I think they did the tour, the the love between him and Anakin very well. Yeah. Even yeah. though some parts were kind of forced, but he is, that is a wonderful story to me. That love of Anakin that he developed and to see his heart just broken by this evil monster that's been created. And that, that built well into the, the lines of the last episode, I think. Yeah, I, I I I like that too. Even though, yeah, I I I, I like the idea of that. I don't think it was handled well in the prequel specifically, but I like the seed of that, and I think that it was. I I like being able to watch it from this, you know, from this uh, new viewpoint and the show, and and even the way that this episode ends when it cuts from Obi Wan freezing heavily and saying Anakin. To Vader and his back to tank and his own heavy breathing, I thought that was a great, a great transition. Yeah, and it does show. You know, there's a lot of controversy over the whole Darth Vader, uh, Obi Wan telling him in Episode Four, and they kind of, I'm pretty sure they retcon that when they were doing Four, Five, and Six back in the day that he originally he wasn't his father. But they retconned and said, oh, what I said was true from a certain point of view. And But the way they did it, I think it did lend it a lot of, of I can see where he would say, look, you don't need to get tied up on this. It's not your father anymore. He was, he's, he's gone. My friend is gone. Like he's burying that trauma the whole time. And he's just trying to train Luke up to, to destroy him because the universe needs it. You know, I wasn't strong enough to do it. So I need you to do it. So I'm going to cover up the truth and not go through that trauma because you don't need that trauma. I already dealt with the trauma for years. You don't need that trauma. He's just evil. Just don't worry about it. Um, so, See, and that, Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I feel like throughout the show, you do feel that. You do feel Obi-Wan dealing with this PTSD and he feels like he's to blame for Anakin turning into this, turning into this monster. And that's and and that's why like at the end of the show when Vader ha- has this moment where he's like you know Anakin is de- Anakin is dead you know you're not responsible for this I'm the one who did this I killed off Anakin mm-hmm. I thought that was a great moment because I almost I almost felt I almost felt like it was I could I couldn't tell like wait 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 is this Vader is this like a, a hint of Anakin showing through actually. And like trying to lift the burden off of Obi Wan, because I don't see like what 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 would motivate like Vader to want to do that, to want to try to participate in any sort of healing for Obi Wan. So I feel like okay, maybe Anakin is still in there, it's just like a hint of him, 
and trying to do this for Obi-Wan, for his old friends. And and then seeing, just like, I can feel like Obi-Wan in that moment, just kind of like, he, he can feel the burden starting to lift off of him at that point, once he's watching Vader admit this. And just that whole, that, that whole beat at, at the end of the show, I really, I really, I really love that. I mean, if we want to jump forward to to, to six, I I do have my thoughts on that, but I I agree with you. It's in fact, I wish they had gone farther with it, just to have that pain in that moment to realize, oh, he's gone. There's, you know, I found out he's alive, but he actually really isn't. Yeah. But yeah, so I just I just want to make that little comment, but yeah, so and and then now and then now let's go back to a pod three. Uh, this is I, the, the, the best and pieces I like about this episode. Like, uh, Feck, for example, I think one of the best things in the show, in the show in general, is the inclusion of Feck, who is the alien played by Zach Braff of all people, <laughs> and he is and he is I I, I really found it to be fascinating this character who is in the show and he support and he endorses the Empire. You know, he, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like he actively like, engages in any of the activities that the Empire does itself, but he certainly supports all of it. And you can draw parallels between his, between what the path he's gone down and the path that many people have gone down today, where they are, where there are many people today who support things like bigotry and white supremacy and all of that crap. Mm-hmm. And it just, I, 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 again, this is another moment. It's kind of like the the clone trooper moment in episode in, in part two. Here in part three, you've got just another moment that flashes out the Star Wars world, and where it's like, oh, of course, like typically we've seen in Star Wars, it's like, oh, we've only we, we have the rebels and then we have the Empire, and those are the two different sides. But it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course, in a world where the Empire exists, of course there would be people who would be all for it. They'd be perfectly fine with this, and. Yeah. I think that's a great point, and, and so so well said. The idea that there are some rank and file, you know, and I'm, God, just, Lord forgive me. I'm going to bring up Nazis, but please forgive me. I'm just giving up World War II. Understanding that there's World War II, there were Nazis, but there were also just regular people, regular Germans, regular that were going about their lives in this regime that they might not agree with everything that's going on, but they're also not fighting. But they realize, oh, you know, this is securing our borders. They they're buying the the propaganda. They're buying into it. And yeah, there there's the idea that not everyone is in the army. Not everyone is in the rebellion. So it's just this rank and file guy that's like, oh, you know, the Imperials have uh, done some good stuff for us. So you know, it's nice that they can make the trains run on time. That's a true thing that happens in war, where you have people who are like happy that this regime that we either look back on or we look at modern in modern day they are evil there are people that also live under them they're like yeah but they make the trains run on time and my power is on whereas before you know i was living in squalor i didn't have any power um it brings, so, it brings a sense of security yeah so having that character is such a good, good character to show hey look there are people living in this evil regime which it is evil and we all agree on that but there are people who are just trying to live their lives and make their trucking company be successful, and they're not even getting into it. They're just trying to be, uh, you know, good citizens and follow the laws that were set uh, by this, yeah, the evil regime. So, yeah, great character, good point. 
Yeah, so de definitely, I, I love that. Or even like the dramatic opening with Vader's suit construction. You know, I thought that was a good moment. And it's just also when we have the introduction of Tala, who is an Imperial officer, and she ends up saving Obi-Wan and Leia. And she joined up back when the Empire used to stand for something. By the time she realized her true ambitions, it was too late. And, you know, because it used to be obviously, obviously you know, like part of the Republic. And so it is, I feel like that's still, that's still a funny thing to think back on, is that they were once the Republic, and now, and, and then of course, now Palpatine twisted it all, sent out Order 66, which again, like, I, I, I like that part of the prequel trilogy. I think that's a compelling part of the story there. And now Tala is part of the past, and under, this underground network is helping, you know, like, outlaws and dissidents, rebels, when the Empire is hunting down. I think that's all pretty interesting as well. I did, did, and do you, do you have any? What What are your thoughts on this on episode three on part three? Uh, like I said again, we get to see they they do too many desert planets. See, I feel like yeah, I feel that like is... we're back on another desert planet. It's kind of desert adjacent. It's got a little bit more scrub brush, but um, uh, I again I like seeing other planets. So and then we've got uh, I think the main thing is that is seeing people living their lives under the Imperial watch. Whereas they're just trying to get on, they're trying not to die. But then you see like the seeds of the rebellion. You have Tala, who I guess Tala is in other stuff. You know, I when you said her name, I I thought I recognized it. I don't know character names. If it's not Obi Wan and Luke Skywalker, forget it. But um, I I was literally in my notes. I refer to her as the uh, Rebel sympathizer. Like I don't even remember her name. Uh, but she, I liked her. But apparently, she is like kind of a character that was in other stuff. But she. It was cool to see her struggle uh, of, I thought I was standing for something, but I'm realizing I'm taking part in genocide. And, you know, there's people who, these deep things that we get into in Star Wars, and always appropriate, sometimes I just want to have fun, but I thought that was good. Uh, and we see kind of seeds of the rebellion and, and what she's building there, which uh, I think was really compelling. Uh Again, they get too focused on cool shots because you have that iconic scene where you can see online all the time that probe droid scene. Really cool seeing a probe droid like coming up and, and being big and scary. And But he's zooming in on the face, zooming in on the face. Like, why is he waiting for this probe droid to scan his face? He A, has a lightsaber. B, he has the force. C, he has shoot the thing sooner. Like, why are we waiting until it gets scanned in some giant imperial database to say, "Hey, look, here's Obi Wan." Like, good. they wanted the cool shot of him with his robe and looking all ominous and like, "Oh yeah, got you." And I'm like, "All right, jeez, makes no sense." Yeah, but okay. So I, I, I was also looking at episode Tala. So Tala Dearest. Apparently, it says here the showrunners initially intended Tala Dearest to be a love interest for Obi Wan. Really. However, during the delay in filming caused by COVID-19, the part about her being Obi-Wan's love interest was removed, as writers felt having them as a couple was, quote, a bit cliched, unquote. Yeah, yeah. it is. We do that too much in, in movies, and I, I'm a huge fan of, of uh, the Pitch Meeting uh, YouTube channel where they kind of make fun of things, and he says that all the time. He goes, Oh, they're in love now? Yeah, they're two attractive act main characters in a movie. Of course they're in love. Oh, okay. You know, that's that's so cliche. In, and I'm glad because I think we need that separation where Obi-Wan is old school Jedi. 
no attachments, no love interests. He needs to be that, even though if it makes sense, because if you go into Clone Wars, you got him with his love interest in that, which makes me mad. It's not supposed to. But assuming in my brain where I haven't watched Clone Wars and it hasn't happened, he's part of the old school where you're not supposed to have love or attachments. And then like Luke Skywalker is part of the new school where we have Mara Jade. Or we were supposed to. Thanks, Episode 7, 8, 9, for destroying one of the greatest characters in Star Wars. Um, so the, you know, having that school, I think is a good separation. So I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been very forced. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not finding that she's supposed to be in anywhere else. Tala. I'm not finding. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just the same thing. I'm seeing that she was like, I see this animated version of her. So I'm wondering maybe it's just the same name. Who knows? Star Wars is like, um, it's so star wars names are so weird so it's hard to tell if i even have the right one but um said she was a former tie fighter that like saves wedge antilles but i don't know if the timing works did she die in the obi-wan i don't even remember oh yes yes she does yeah she i think she sacrifices herself with uh, the bomb oh yeah 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 i think i was episode two five stuff like that I do like seeing more of the internal workings of like the Imperials and seeing more, you know, different roles and you know how their kind of army and politics work. That was kind of cool. Even in the Mandalorian, I remember because a specific episode of season two. What I remember is it, it was when Din Djarin and Bilba and they're sneaking into the base and they've also yeah and that and that whole scheme. I remember really liking like oh this is an interesting view on the Empire. Yeah. And, Although that's, I guess we're talking more about episode four at this point, but yeah. But and then and then, uh, how? What do you think about Darth Vader coming onto the scene and part three? How do you think he was? Oh happy? yeah. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. Because he was yeah, terrifying. I thought first... he was terrifying here. Oh yeah, that first fight. That first fight, Obi Wan's completely overwhelmed, and it and I think it it is important to contrast that that. Anakin has been doing nothing but getting stronger, especially in the Force, because he's now an injured, like, disabled person uh, who has to rely more on the Force for his strength than this machine that is now built on him. Yes. And he just takes Obi-Wan to town and, and just beats him down. Uh, they did the kind of yada, 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 the escape. Like, okay, there's fire, and then Obi-Wan's trapped, and then... There was and a then, fire, and then he for escapes. Some reason, and... For some reason, he, Anakin, Anakin just can't go around the fire, and nope. escapes so easily. Can't yeah, it, it, again, they do that, where they have these moments where they get to the peak, and they're just like, Haha, okay, we're done, next thing. Like, wait, 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 wait. He literally, there's later he's going to pull a ship from the sky down with the force. You're telling me he couldn't grab Obi-Wan on that because there was fire in the way? What are you talking about? But yeah, so uh, I hate when they do that. But speaking of what, speaking other of than that. Pulling, pulling a ship with the force, it reminded me of Rey and Kylo Ren doing the exact same thing. Yeah, they, I mean, and they do it in um, Force Unleashed. I mean, there's a famous thing where he literally pulls a Star Destroyer out of the sky oh, really? with the Force. Star yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a huge moment in that. I, I haven't finished that game, but yeah, that was all in the trailers about how this cool moment where the idea that Starkiller can just, like, literally pull this ship out of orbit. Like, and um, he... Uh, <laughs> so the Force has got some cool moments, but it's very inconsistent in the canon. 
Force can sometimes do everything, and then like oh. randomly it can heal. The Force. The Force. We could spend so much time discussing that and the Metaclarians and all of that crap. And... The most inconsistent magic system of any lore. Uh, you know, it can do everything but nothing, it, and when it needs to or doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but and and Vader, I also was like, I thought he was absolutely like menacing when he's just coming into this village and he's randomly force choking a few people. He snaps a kid's neck. Oh yeah, I mean that. I was shocked, like because typically <laughs> I feel I feel like Star Wars is a kind of thing where it's like okay, Star Wars can get violent. But I feel like this was particularly brutal. Like actually killing a kid. I feel like even start like a lot of stuff does not typically go near killing a child. But this went for that, and and I liked it personally. I thought like yeah, like finally like because I feel like in the original movies and the original trilogy, Vader does not really get to be all that terrifying. But he got mm. to be terrifying at the end of Rogue One, and he gets to just bring back that that intimidating energy here. And I love it. And and then even like when he ended again, like yeah, dragging Obi-Wan into the fire. I would say like, okay, wait, Obi-Wan is like healed pretty quickly from those injuries. He should be like <laughs> I don't know, like what, second shed burns, maybe. Back does a wonderful thing. You can yada 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 around. I, I completely agree though. It was uh and if if you are um uh, anybody who's gonna play Jedi Fallen Order, please do like fast forward like a couple minutes here because i'm going to spoil the end of that and i don't want to spoil it for anyone who ever plays that game such a great moment right. but um do you mind if i spoil it for you because you oh, might want to cover I, yours I, I, i'm okay <laughs> i i don't i don't play video games right now it's gonna be a while before i get back in the video game so just well there's a there's a scene at the end where you are fighting and you defeat kind of the big bad of that game and you're in fortress inquisitorius and then darth vader comes through the door uh uh, like Reba's like, oh my gosh, I sense, I sense him. You have to run. You have to run now. She starts freaking the heck out, and then Darth Vader walks through the door, and you're like, okay, because you're like, this is the end of the game. You got all your powers. You're like, I'm gonna fight freaking Darth Vader, and you go for it, and he just goes, bink, bink, picks you up, throws you across the room, and you're like, oh crap, and he just starts kicking the crap out of you, and you are running. You're just, and he's destroying everything, chasing you down. It is terrifying and i remember like literally going oh my god like you get to this point where you're at the uh the elevator and you're trying to get the elevator to come down i'm literally in real life going come on come on come on please god open the door because he's just boom 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 crushing and he's trying to grab you and you're like oh it's such a good portrayal of that terror that he inspires so i completely love how they did that because he's a scary guy man and uh they did that so well you're like powerful yeah. it's just, like, this is vader you need him to be just so like horrifying he has the force and he's got all the powers just this evil strength yeah and that's what he's been doing he's been you know force weightlifting for these you know in interfering years between episode three and obi-wan whereas obi-wan's been you know cutting up uh a snake or a fish or whatever he's doing at the beginning at that like, oh, yeah, that's right yeah. that's the whole thing in the show is that obi-wan's powers have been weakening because he hasn't been using them so basically yeah. his powers have been atrophying which i thought that was also an interesting element of the show i feel like it doesn't delve too deeply into feels like it kind of leaves it out you know it doesn't really flesh it out all that much but still it's an it's interesting one it's there 
Yeah, it's definitely a contrast, but yeah, I love the menacing Vader. They did this uh, similar thing at the end of Rogue One where um, he goes into that scene and just starts laying waste to everybody. Oh, I love the scary Darth Vader. So I good. feel so bad for everyone who's getting killed in that hallway. It's just like, oh no. <laughs> what that's, he has to be evil. He's, 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 yes. Emperor Palpatine was way more scary and evil in the original trilogy. And I feel Darth Vader kind of got undercut because everyone says he's the scary demon, you know, of the Empire and everyone fears him, but we don't really see a lot of why. He kind of chokes one bad guy. And it's like, but other than that, he's yeah. got some menacing lines. Yeah. And then also Leah, she's running around and she ends up in Viva's hands. And so that's that's what the, the, show, the episode ends on. And then we go on to part four. Okay, I'll, I'll just say, I feel like Leia was, I feel like Leia was running around a bit too much. I mean, I guess she was supposed to meet up with, she was supposed to meet up with that guy who kind of got murdered. But I feel like, <laughs> you know, maybe don't run around that much, you know. But I mean, like, what, sure. what can't you do? It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's Reba. I feel like Reba was going to find her, like, sooner or later, I guess. So. Yeah, I think the, that, again, they, they, did well on the, first of all, Fortress Inquisitorious. Again, Jedi Fallen Order is where they kind of introduced that, or maybe they didn't. No, they probably introduced it in Clone Wars. I'm sorry. I haven't seen Clone Wars, Star Wars fans. Please forgive me. It probably well, I, have an idea. I have an idea. <laughs> so, the, you know, seeing that them go into it, that was really cool. I was so excited. And then you've got the torture scene where she, you know, Reva is torturing a child, which is pretty yeah. dang evil. So I was good with that tone. That's what we're going for you know, very evil and uh, trying to get her on her side and kind of manipulate her. I think that was good. We, we saw some Reva, uh, her character developing. We saw Leia's character kind of developing and her strength. So I was okay with most of that. But again, they do this thing where they don't know where to end the episode. So they end in a silly, okay, we're going to sneak this girl out under my coat. That's yes. your plan. That is the moment That's, I And that it. works. I just like oh well, my. you can only. Why are you doing this? Like the people passing by you, and they don't notice this little bump underneath your robe, or like some feet, little, little feet just scuffling along the floor. And, and, and he's the only one wearing that coat. If you had a couple, it's very like German Nazi coat, by the way, which I love, and I wish they had some a couple other guys in it because it's very evil and ominous looking. But you got to have a couple officers wearing that dang coat if you were gonna have him like sneak someone out underneath it like hey look at this very fat imperial there's no there's no fat imperial so you know the fact he's wearing his big billowing coat with you know this bump on one side like and everyone's like oh this is fine um <laughs> again they didn't know where to end it so i feel like they undercut it that way they could have done so many other things but you know i guess you could argue well reva wanted them to escape because she had the tracker on the ship so that was the whole thing but i don't know how that works so and then, and then also, there are also parts in this episode where I think Ta it felt like Tala, like she was using like her status and gumption to kind of like slide by to help, to try to help mm -hmm. out with the heist. But there mo I remember there were moments where like, wait, I feel like you're really just, just again, hand wavy. Like you're saying certain things or doing certain things that I personally, if I were there, I would be suspicious of you, Tala. I would be like, wait, something is off here. And again, if only you had another character that was infiltrating with her, 
that could, oh, I don't know, use the force to persuade people so that they she can get in. I could understand. So she's using her thing, and so he does a little bit of a, oh, you know, this isn't the droid you're looking for. Uh, and then they go, oh, yeah, come on through. So, yes, she's an Imperial, and she's got her credentials, and you have the force. Why don't we yeah. use the tools we have, Star Wars? We have the tools to get past the Imperials. You want to know when those tools were were uh, invented? How about episode four, the very first Star Wars show or movie? They have persuasion. Why are we Why are we working so hard to yada yada yada? How we get into this Imperial thing? Yeah, it's just like yeah, most of powers, you know, combined them the way the Avengers would or the X Men to. How about to help you know escalate things? Yeah, and and then make the see you have these tools. You have a force user, and I understand his powers of atrophy. But by now he's able to block blaster bolts, and he's able to use the force to you know do that sound he does in episode, which is good to uh, nod to episode four where he does the little like tick and distracts the guards. And yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, they did that in uh, episode four. That's cool. Uh, so why are we not using the tools that we have? Why are we going above and beyond to have this suspension of <laughs> everyone in the Imperial Army is dumb and then just like, ah, this is fine. This person just showed up and is doing a bunch of odd things. I won't say anything. I am glad that tw- towards the end, Viva does end up suspecting Tala. I am like, okay, good. Like someone needs to suspect her. Someone needs to be like, hey, <laughs> this Imperial officer is being dubious here. Yeah, no kidding. And, uh, that at least, again, we, we have this thing. That's why I can see why you kind of landed in a different place than I did. It's because I see those things and I'm, I'm willing to forgive them. But I think episode four was so up and down tonally. You had such great moments yeah. that I really enjoyed. Like he's fighting the stormtroopers and sneaking through the base and doing the Obi-Wan thing that he does in episode four. And so great. Then you have the other half that just doesn't make sense. Like, why are we yeah. doing this? Why are we sneaking out on a coat? Why are we like making her talk past guards when you have forced persuasion as a thing. And yeah, yeah. I think and that's why now that we were talking about the show, I actually feel like now that we were discussing part three, I actually feel like I'm higher on that episode than I was originally, because I feel like there's more stuff, there's more good meat in that episode for me. So I actually mm-hmm. feel like episode three could possibly be higher for me than episode four. Which is yeah. strange to say. It's, I, ironically, it's, uh, as we discuss it, episode four went down and episode three went up as well for me. So I was usually, I was came in with my notes like, oh, I really like this. But then I'm like looking at all the plot holes that really stick in my mind. I'm like, ugh, can I just give me like 10 minutes? I could make this work better for y'all. And part four, I did like how we, we have this moment where Obi-Wan is passing by these numerous tombs and walls. And they're like, oh, it's not a fortress, it's a tomb. And I, 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 like, I like that moment. Vader uh, mm. almost choked Riva. That was also pretty scary when he almost does that. Man, and I don't know if that's God, you love the force choke, Vader. You love the force choke. <laughs> it's his move. He's got to move. Yes. And then Lola is alive. We have Lola coming back for, you know, some reason, like <laughs> no, it's isn't she evil though? So yeah, like yeah, this is the ha- when she got through. turned to the dark side. Yeah, they happened to her, <laughs> and then and see, that's the thing. I thought maybe to have a whole thing was it be like, oh, Lola has been hacked into, but we're gonna turn her back to the to the light, and we're gonna show that droids are sentient, that they have their own thoughts, thoughts and feelings. But then it's just like, nope, we fixed her. No worries. 
Like, yeah, she she almost destroyed everything, but we fixed her. Yeah, so that's part four, and then we have part five. Uh, this and and I I like so now this is I feel like we start to go go more into episodes. Why like I'm enjoying this significantly more, and even with, with the way part five opens up with the uh, duel in the past between Obi Wan and Anakin, and how we have a few more of these flashbacks peppered throughout the rest of the episode. And it's showing like, oh, just how Anakin, like showing how Anakin can, can be ruthless. And you can see, you know, it, it, it reminds you like, hey, he was acting like this throughout the prequels. And see, that's the thing, because I feel like in the end, I feel like Anakin is basically Kylo Ren. Except Anakin just comes off as so whiny and childish. Whereas mm-hmm. basically, Kylo Ren was basically, he was basically so emotionally mature. But he was also emotionally immature in a way that was, you know, menacing. It was like, oh. If I'm in the same room as him, when he's just flinging this stuff around, he could kill me, or he could just he, he could unleash his anger. Whereas it's the same thing with Anakin; he could also unleash his anger, but it doesn't feel as threatening, even though it should. But it just feels again so petulant. But I feel yeah, like the, I think... the way he's being ruthless in this specific episode and in the duel is better than the prequels. I feel like at least. I think um, so. There's kind of two things for me in this episode, and I think. To your point, this shows the difference between... Is that Adam Driver who plays... Uh, yes, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Adam, Adam so Driver. it shows Adam Driver and and Hayden Christensen. They are just different levels of actors, in my opinion. Adam Driver is able to bring exactly what you said, more of a, a menace to his, his evil and his emotional conflictedness. Whereas Hayden Christensen, it just comes off as being a little petulant child, and he's and mad flat, because he didn't flat. get his cookie. There's no layers, yeah. no complexity. And so it just shows. I think they're just different levels, unfortunately. And if there's any Hayden Christensen fans out there, I've offended. Uh, you know, sorry, not sorry, but um, you know, as much as I hate uh, seven, eight, and nine, uh, I think again, the Kylo Ren Adam Driver did the best he could with the script he was given. And, um, and I think the script did more, more damage to it. So back to episode five. Um, yeah, I like the cool saber fight in the beginning. Uh, other than the fact that we got too much Hayden Christensen and the fact that it's very clear they've aged since the original, yeah. <laughs> the uh, prequel trilogy. I'm, I'm willing to overlook like, Hey, you know what? I'm yeah. fine with this. Honestly, uh, it's, it's not, it's not like a huge flaw. Hey, you know what? It's better than some of the other stuff going on in the show for me. And yeah, well, at least they didn't do the I'm going to de-age you, like, and, yeah. and Which that's too much. Overutilized, as you say. Yeah, just just roll with it. We're okay. You know, they did the same thing uh, in Doctor Who, where you have, you know, a lot of time-traveling characters, so you have characters that are technically supposed to be younger than they are, you know, six episodes ago, but they, you know, clearly have aged, you know. Or better but, cross all. Like, you're thinking back to the like, people who are like, oh, they're clearly older than they were in Breaking Bad. But, <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's just roll with it. And I'm okay with that. I'm. It's again suspension of disbelief. People get older. Okay, we're we're telling stories. It's more like uh, a stage play. Like we understand that this isn't real. It's on a stage. It's okay. Yes. Um. So yeah, cool. Kind of seeing the saber fight. I think they. I see where they were trying to do with the saber fight to show him his emotions and and his style of fighting and kind of tie it into the end. So I'm cool with that. I I more liked. The uh, the last one with uh, between Darth Vader and Reva, that fight was really that, neat. That was a um, good one. 
and it showed a lot more a lot more force you know used in battle because i think a lot of saber battling in the star wars universe doesn't take a lot of advantage of the force and it was a force fight without all the cgi it wasn't yoda jumping around in cgi it was an actual like two boxers getting into it and and trying to do the fight and then you know vader wins which i'm i'm glad he needed to there's no way reva did not she held her own for a bit but it was very clear that he no he, he was gonna beat her and need it <laughs> i mean even even like when he, when he like stopped her lightsaber with a force that what i mean that was a that was a good moment and mm-hmm. or even when or even when he ends up when she works out like two blades he ends up stealing one of them and then the other one and it's just like it is yeah. like ah. and then she flashes back at order 66 right as he right as he gets her and i just yeah. like that little transition and and again but doesn't stabby doesn't kill anybody though yeah so again what is he doing he cut off freaking count dooku's head where was that moment why did he just cut off her head like yeah they just yada 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 she has to survive that's why she so and that's we're gonna thing. walk away so and, and i feel like that's the sort of thing you that's a problem you run into with a prequel which was like okay you have stories that are already told in the future so you need to so just stuck in this position where you have to tell a story a certain way you don't have the freedom to go off in a different path you have to reach a certain ending and i feel like maybe sometimes that can benefit it can force you to be more creative and to try to you know be more imaginative as you're trying to write down write out this whole road towards that ending but other times it ends up just feeling uh it just feel, feels contrived and in this moment it's a contrived thing it's almost it's like a horror movie kind of thing where it's like oh you don't like you you, you could have clearly done something to kill this monster or this demon or this serial killer but you didn't you just did something like stabbing someone in the shoulder when you should have just cut them off you know just decapitate them yeah the halloween the halloween uh problem where you just like why did you not shoot him in the head several times he's just gonna come back um so yeah i agree there's so again give me five minutes like what are we doing here writers you and i'm i wonder what happened behind the scenes because there's so many things you could have done you're in the rebel base you are um you could have had a, a bomb that they set to distract him so it blows up vader's like ah and then reva gets out you know she escapes yeah. and yeah, he sure. was gonna kill her but he is she escapes or um, you have the ship lifts off at that moment, and so Vader has to p- concentrate on that so Reva can escape. There needed to be a reason why he didn't just chop her dang head off. Like, yeah. um, where's this merciful Anakin? He just, again, he broke that kid's neck in episode three. Where is that guy? Um, so, eh, they, again, they yada, yada, yada these things because they need the moment. They needed the moment. They needed her to survive, so we go, go ahead. Yeah. Then, That's why it's not an A plus for me. Although it's going down, it might be a C now <laughs> if we discuss this one. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? What do you think about the whole thing about the the Grand Inquisitor coming back? Because in this episode, where Vader is like, "Hey, Reva, I'm appointing you as Grand Inquisitor now," but then it's like, "Wait, we have the original Grand Inquisitor coming back," and I was just like, "Wait, so maybe Vader was trying to trick trick Reva and make her doesn't make sense. make her get comfortable maybe and think, oh, like oh." She can get comfortable now. She doesn't have to worry about like hiding her secrets as much now. And then, and then he's like, "Oh, no, but no, I've, I've been tricking you the whole time." Like, and Grand Inquisitor is back, and I know what you've been up to this whole time because he was. Like, mm-hmm. I think that, that that was what he said, right? It was like, "Oh, like I knew 
Like, I know he was, you know? So, I don't know, maybe well, he was. Well, that's consistent. The Sith, um, at least from what I understand from canon, is that Sith is all about there is uh, the master is always aware that the apprentice is gunning for his job. That as soon as he becomes more powerful enough, he's going to try to kill you and take out your spot. And that makes sense in the, and there's other, I forget what lore they drew that from. Cause there's like a, you know, there's cultures that that is a thing where you, the powerful person, the way that you become the next leader is you kill the old leader. Like that's, that's very ancient um, kind of thing. And so they understand, I think that they, that makes sense. They understand that Vader said, as soon as one of them can beat him, his power is in danger yeah. all the time from his underlings. And that's important, I think, but they don't flesh it out enough. Like what exactly what you said? Why is the Grand Inquisitor still alive? First of all, because if he is alive, what is he doing in the last few episodes? Exactly. Is he just chilling? And is it this grand scheme? But they never reveal that. They never say why he's just alive again for the moment of the reveal that oh, this character everyone likes is still alive. Look, ha ha ha! And they're like, but why? Like why? Uh, what was he doing in this he's just chilling out just chilling out in the background not saying anything he's in his room at the fortress inquisitorius like and 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 no one knows why is his room still locked oh, don't worry about it don't go in there um and then the reva what what is her yeah what is that moment did he know the whole time i guess he did and that the motivations can make sense but they never explain which is true we just have these possibilities, and then they're like, and we're done. And we're out. <laughs> but she's not dead, because stabbing does not kill anyone in this universe. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, even like yeah, the writing, it's just interesting, because it's like we have some interesting writing credits for the show. It's like we have a, a, a Hossein Amini, who wrote the screenplay for the Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling movie Drive. Or we have a, a Stuart Beatty, who also is like, oh, he, like, he, he wrote a, the screenplay for Collateral. And you know, thirty days of night. Uh, you know, it's just you know some interesting you know credits like that. Or or and, Andrew Stan, Andrew Stanton, I think he he was oh yeah he he wrote he was part of writing for a couple of episodes. And Andrew Stanton, of course, I came from Pixar, and you know you, you know you you got some interesting you know writers here. And but I just feel like I I I like I, I like the direction. I I think I like the direction. I like Deva Shaw's direction for the show. Well, a lot of this, but I feel like the writing is where it suffers. That's how I well, I, maybe you already revealed the reasons because you said there was a lot of stuff was rushed, like they cut the romance part because it was you know time constraints. Yeah, maybe that was it. it. Yeah, maybe that was it. They just some scenes they just didn't get to. They're just like, uh, sorry, we gotta, we're out, we gotta go. So just slap dash, and that that is rushed. a real thing when you're working in the world. Rest. Yeah, that's a good word. I feel like because it's always certain things where like, oh, you needed to flesh this out a little more. And if you did, if the show did that, I think I would have been much more satisfied. But and why it, don't we though? Because if we're not going to make it a movie, we're making it a miniseries. What are we going to make less money because we made it seven episodes instead of six, or what? Like, what are we doing here? So I don't know. Maybe that that's the part of streaming service. You're not going to get more money for having seven. Maybe I don't know. I. Beats me. That's above my pay grade. I'm just here to watch Star Wars. Yeah, uh, and then and then also a part five. So this is where we learn about Reba's uh, backstory as well. How she was a youngling whose parents had been murdered by Anakin during Order sixty six, and she had to play dead and hide with the Shorman's corpses. 
you know, after it grew cold. And I, 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 you know, I thought, well, you know, I, I like this build, and I, I feel like finally this is where we get more layers for her character. Yeah, we have to have reasons. See, and this is always such a weird thing, Star Wars. How did so many Jedi randomly survive? Or get trained or end up on different planets or like i mean there's so many survivors we talk about this order 66 where they're all slaughtered but there are a lot of survivors um and clearly the inquisitors were built for that and so it makes sense to me so seeing this backstory about uh what the actually happened to the younglings and then you have the survivor and i liked it i'm fine with that uh she there's an idea i forget what it's called the the syndrome where you like fall in love with your kidnapper uh, oh, it's not Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. So yeah, it's a little Stockholm Syndrome-y where you're just like, but again, she's using him to become more powerful to eventually usurp him. It's very Sith in its motivations. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. We might not understand it, but I mean, how many of us could really relate to so- to someone whose entire family, because again, Jedi are taken from their family and then they are with all these other kids who then get slaughtered. Yeah. And then now you have you're a little child in this world and the only real choice you have is to go with this evil dude. <laughs> you just kind of survivor. Children are survivors. So I actually thought it was believable. She's got nobody else. She's got no family. Her friends and colleagues are all slaughtered. The only thing she can do is hopefully go with this guy and eventually have revenge, her whole motivation. So I was okay with it. So much, so much PTSD and I'm just like, God, yeah. I they need therapy. <laughs> Come on, yeah. do some self healing. Yeah, I'm glad they did not. They did not cut, undercut that with humor. They just went, yeah, mm-hmm. this is nasty. She's from a nasty, nasty background, and no wonder she's so screwed up and doesn't make sense. You would be too if yeah. uh, all of your classmates were slaughtered in in wholesale, and you grew up with this evil dude. Yeah, sort of, sort of like a, a Hunger Games sort of thing, you know. It's like that kind of circumstance. And they were tortured. They do. That's canon in Fallen Order. They they tortured her probably for years before she became the uh, you know Inquisitor, mm-hmm. and then she probably had to. I think that in the game they talk about they have to fight everyone else until they become that sister, like the sisters and brothers, the top echelon. So I, I can see that man. She's been through. She's been through some stuff. So yeah, she is messed up. She does yeah. not make sense. She is messed up. And. Uh, and then also, what do you think about Atala sacrificing herself in this episode? Any any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, you know, it had to happen. I think I liked. I'm not going to say Tala is just a throwaway character. I think it was a good moment. Uh, I'm not going to pick on it. Yeah, she she had to. Yeah. If if that's what we're going with the storyline, let them tell the story that they're telling. I could have come differently. Yeah, but I it it didn't stick with me. I'll tell you that. I didn't even remember it happened until I thought about it. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And do a good character. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, it, you know, again, like, there's this whole interesting thing about her. Like, you know, she was working for the Empire, but she's actually a double agent. And so, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, she, she sacrifices herself. It's not one of the most heartbreaking sacrifices I've ever seen on screen. But, you know, I, I'm okay with it. You know, it's okay. It's fine. Not everything's got to be a ten out of ten. It's fine. And oh yeah, I see. My, I, I see my notes here. Yeah, Leia, Leia removes a restraining bolt from Lola. Yeah, that happened in this episode. Yeah, there you go. Because restraining bolts make 
droids evil, I guess. I God, Star Wars lore doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and and then and, so at the end of this episode, uh, Obi Wan senses something is off as he and you know and Leia and you know everyone they they had to flee. They had to flee Shabim, and he senses something is off. Just right as Reva, as Reva learns from the hologram message that the uh, Haja dropped, that Luke is on Tatooine. And yeah. I'm just like, man, that was, that was really convenient, wasn't it? Yeah, good thing Good thing he, you know, uh, we've done this elaborate thing to hide where these kids are. Uh, but excuse me why I explicitly send this unsecured message to you, just in case you didn't remember. Did you remember that you're on Tatooine with Luke, the, you know, Luke, the kid we're not supposed to talk about, that he's on Tatooine, that he's actually Anakin's son, that Luke? You remember that, Luke? Okay. <laughs> Gee, what the heck? Come on. The, the convenient, oh, we need a plot point. Again, we have the Force, we have Imperial spy networks, we have uh, people who have motivations on Tatooine to betray other people. You couldn't have anybody reveal that fact to Riva in any different way? Okay, whatever. <sighs> yeah, and- Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention... I forgot to mention uh, Owen Lars. He showed up earlier in the series. Like uh, Joel Edgerton came back, and I'm I, I'm glad to see him back. To see him come back. Yeah. Uh, I always, you know, I always, I always like Joel Edgerton whenever he pops up. I like him. I like him in the prequels, and I like him in the show. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you know, you're good. You know, you know, I like seeing you around. Good old Owen Lars. Yeah. And he could have, he could have done that character. Did something, mis- made a mistake. Was trying to. So he was de- definitely kind of butting heads with obi-wan you could have made something where that character made some sort of mistake that revealed where luke was and that later got over to yeah, reva we we could have done something more clever but again they just kind of shoved it in there here's a random message from a guy that knows better he's like a rebel sympathizer that character it, he was revealed in rogue one is kind of here's the new character even though we knew who he was kind of talked about He's a rebel sympathizer, and he would not be that dumb to reveal that in a message. He knows better, but whatever. Wait, wait, uh, Rogue One? What what, what do you mean? Are you talking about Hajjok, Miron and Gianni's character? No, no, no. I'm talking about, uh, uh, is it Bal Organa? Leia's dad? Oh. Um, Yeah. Is he at the end of Rogue One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I remember now. Yeah, I completely so got that a, detail. Yeah, he's a big figure in the Rebel in oh, yeah. the Rebel Alliance later, and so he knows better than to put unsecured important secrets on freaking holograms that can be found. That's right. I forgot. I, code, I forgot. I forgot. He was. A, I forgot. He was the one who sent the message. I was like, wait, what is the brother yeah. talking about? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. He was sent the message. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's what made it worse. Is that it's that guy. He's the one guy who wouldn't do it. It was like Obi-Wan doing it himself. <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan. Uh... Note to self. Buy eggs and also Luke is hidden on Tatooine. Don't lose this hologram. <laughs> and you know, what the heck? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's plot five. Now we have plot six. This is the final episode in Obi-Wan Kenobi. What do you think about this trigger warning we had? Was it was said that some viewers may find certain scenes in the series to be disturbing? Any thoughts on this no, trigger I, warning? I didn't even remember that. It says that at the beginning. Oh yeah, it pops up right at the beginning of the episode because we have we've had some 
you know, some pretty brutal stuff happening early on. So I guess Disney felt like, oh, maybe we should put this up, put this up to warn people. Even though I personally feel like, okay, but this is a vague trigger warning. It's like it just could be anything. Like you can't just put a generic trigger warning over all triggers, you know. I don't know. Oh, that's man, my... maybe we should have uh, had a trigger warning before that kid got his neck snapped. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's a trigger warning. Yeah, I could. I mean, props to Disney. So I'm okay with it only because Disney is a. It's a kids thing. I mean, what's Disneyland? Disney. Disney's supposed to be like kids shows. And if you're gonna get into some serious stuff, like perhaps the Marvel movies, perhaps the Star Wars movies, maybe have a little bit of a hey, we're gonna get into some deep stuff. So hey, parents. But that's that goes with parent parental things you you're gonna have the parents that let their 10 year olds go see deadpool and you're gonna have the parents that won't let their kids see an r-rated movie until they're 18 so the uh you know that's parental thing so i'm okay throw it in there yeah. that's fine and to, uh, to, to trigger warning i didn't really see it <laughs> yeah it was only up for a few seconds and the trigger warning was actually it popped up but i also miss marvel as well i think for a couple of really? episodes huh. yeah it's just like well i don't know like for me, I'm just like, okay, again, generic. Like, you can't just, for example, like, put just generic chicken warning over stuff. Like, if it involves, like, suicide or depression or drug abuse or sexual abuse, mm-hmm. like, all of that stuff is different. Like, you can't just slap. Like, I, I don't, like, I, you know, you're not, you're not seeing the stuff being depicted in, like, Star Wars or Marvel. But still, I, I don't know. Like, if you're going to have a chicken warning, you, you got to say specifically what the trigger is for. And, yeah, and they did that with like the TV ratings back in the day where you have like, okay, it's going to have sexual content, foul language, and, yeah. you know, these things. So yeah, that way a parent can go like, hmm, maybe I should screen this before I let yeah. my, you know, nine-year-old watch it. Yeah, just be, be specific about it. That's my, that's my point. Yeah, just be specific about yeah. it. That's a good point. So in this episode, so we have stuff like the duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. We have stuff, and we have, we have, we have, we have, uh, we have, uh, hunting down Luke Skywalker and which that specific plot I was kind of like wait this doesn't feel right it's like why like like why is Reva doing this because the whole plan is to kill Darth Vader is killing Luke somehow gonna lead to that I don't know because Luke had to be in it they're like well we've had Leia for five episodes so do you want to have Luke in it we got this actor so we should probably have him in it. Sure. What is he gonna do? Uh, run around. Okay. <laughs> Who's gonna chase him? Reva, I guess. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Check. Got Luke in there because everyone wants to see Luke, and I guess Reva's in there. It's it's silly. It was forced in there because Luke needed to be in it so that they could show it during the previews. I'm guessing. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. And it was actually so. It was speaking of Luke. It was actually revealed recently. That back when Obi Wan Kenobi was gonna be a movie, there were plans to have uh, Obi Wan, where he was gonna have a vision of himself fighting a Luke Skywalker, an adult Luke who had turned to the dark side on Mustafar, and then and then once and then he almost died, and then once he, he almost died, he was like snapped out of his vision, and then he realized like, oh, I can't force my training on Luke. I just have to let, let him go give him a space. Otherwise, if I force a training on him, he's going to go down the same road as his father. And mm. that, and and so that was the whole thing that was planned out for the movie. It was cut out once it, once it became a show because I guess 
the writers said it didn't feel like it really fit with where the show was going and how they wanted uh, Obi-Wan's relationship with Luke to be much more hopeful rather than going down into this like dark, grim vision. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't? I don't. I, I didn't need it. Like, it's interesting to think about. Like, it's like seeing, like, I think, like, just watching a, a duel between Obi-Wan and an evil Luke, but I'm not, I'm not back with it, personally. I think they made the right call there, because that, I feel, insinuates that Obi-Wan, again, the point of episode six is he's not responsible for Obi-Wan, or for Anakin returning to the dark side. Anakin's descent in the dark side is because he, his attachment to his mother, to Padme, mm-hmm. drove him to do things that he should not. And... I think also, also combined it with his own arrogance, his own ego, and just... Yeah. Yeah. And, and being, just, again, emotionally immature. Yeah, and I understand, you know, I don't want to bring everyone down. Uh, so, you know, trigger warning, I'm about to reveal something about myself. So, um, I lost my wife several years ago. So I can understand, and I... I the idea of his pain over losing Padme is very uh, present to me. I understand. Like, I get it. The, you're in love with this woman. You lost your mom. Now you lost your wife. And there's a lot of pain there. as uh, Poorly as it was written. Whatever. But that motivation is what it turned into the dark side. He wanted to save her from dying. He wanted to be powerful enough to prevent the people he loves from dying. That is his motivation. That's the reason he turned to the dark side. And having Obi-Wan fight, um, you know, this dark Luke Skywalker insinuates that Obi-Wan caused him to turn to the dark side. Is some yeah. lack of training or yeah. some, some thing. No, and that's not true. So it wouldn't have fit. Yeah. As much as I'd love to see uh, uh, Mark Han- you know, a CGI Mark Hamill fight Ewan McGregor, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. We, we, I, yeah. We're both on the, we're both on the same on the same, we're, we're, we're both in the game in there, definitely. I, yeah, again, like, yeah, I didn't need to see it, you know, whatever. But it's nice to know about it, though. Nice to know about it. It would be cool to, to have something like that where he has a vision of, of trying to train him and, and, uh, but I mean, how are you going to fit it in? I can't think of a way that would make sense canonically, uh, that works. Yeah. Again, yeah, because these gaps in the Star Wars canon are becoming smaller and smaller as you create more of these prequels, as you delve more into the past. And I feel like eventually, Disney has to stop being so nostalgic, and they need to start moving into the future with Star Wars, you know? Yeah, and that's... I think it's unfortunate because... I'll tell you this. The Timothy Zahn series, if it, nobody's, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. I, I, I read it's now the first book. I read, I read the first book, and I really enjoyed it. I want to get more into the other books. So that was, if 7, 8, and 9 were those three books, those episodes, that really would have been awesome. It embraces the original characters, but unfortunately, the original characters were too old by the time episode 7 was created. I mean, Carrie Fisher was on her deathbed, practically. You've got Harrison Ford, who is and aging he can still do the swashbuckling thing but he definitely is slowing down like i mean come on uh mark hamill i think could have could have hacked it i don't know he's got that kind of younger vibe to him but uh they they instead went into a different direction so i could understand that but it's well taken we've got a where is where is star wars going i think if they keep with the mandalorian 
and that kind of energy where you've got really good, close, uh, uh, well-written episodes with really good graphics and really good uh, acting and and, uh, scenes, I think we could do really well if we go in that direction for the future. Yes. And then in part in part six, uh, what do you think about this whole uh, duel between Obi Wan and Vader? I guess the bottom line is I really enjoyed it. I understand everything talking about what could have been better. However, it was epic. They were really putting each other to the task, but you know and they had to both survive. So you know, of course, instead of killing Obi Wan, he just buries him. And uh, there's a really funny meme where he says, because um, he has the high ground. Oh, look, he's in the hole. He's Vader's got the high ground. And the joke is, you know, he goes, all right, so what did you do wrong? Well, I had the high ground. Then what did you do with the high ground? I th- I threw it on Obi-Wan. <laughs> and then who had the high ground? Obi-Wan had the high ground. I thought that. You know, that's uh, just a funny uh, meme. But And then, you know, he kind of cuts his helmet open because lightsabers work that way now i don't know but you had to have hayden christensen somehow so cut open his helmet okay and uh that moment was really cool that end where they're saying oh you didn't kill me i i you didn't kill anakin i killed anakin and i'm like ah that's so cool so overall i'm really happy with it and seeing obi-wan just freaking unleash all of these rocks with the force like no you're about to see what happens when a jedi master throws down because i'm gonna mess you up right now um I, I, overall, great scene, really cool looking. I'm gonna forgive the the rough edges. Yeah, I, again, I like the world too. I think it's just again, yeah, forgiving. To, yeah, but like you said, forgiving the rough edges. It's just like just being able to watch two, you know, two people who are using the force and lightsabers, and they're both and you know incredibly powerful. You know, Obi Wan over time, over the course of the series, he's been able to, you know, uh, recover his strengths. And he's able to hold his own against Vader. Uh, but yeah, it, it is funny, like, yeah, just like burying him in a pit. And there were moments where I'm like, wait, you could just, yeah, yeah, like, w- whatever happened to going for just like a decapitation, you know? And I mean, we, we've proven that A, he's not, he's, Darth Vader's fine with cutting people's hands off, heads off, like, but in this entire series, he's just really like, or I'm gonna stab you. breaking necks, like, again, he throws, or just he can break necks. Yeah. Oh, oh my <laughs> so, god, yeah. even, like, early, early episode in the village, he was dragging one of the villagers along the ground while choking that villager, and it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. <gasps> so, let's, let's say this, let's, for the benefit of the doubt, you have Anakin, if we're gonna go with his backstory like I've been talking about, his pain, his turn to the dark side is all about saving the people he loves. So he couldn't save his mother, and that caused him to do a lot of evil things. He couldn't save Padme, caused him to do a lot of evil things. So the fact that he can't kill Obi-Wan, who is the father figure for him, I can see that. he That no matter how evil he is, his prime motivation does not allow him to kill Obi-Wan. So maybe we can say that. That's the reason he didn't do the final death blow. Yeah, is he going to bury him in some rocks and leave him for dead? Yes, but maybe he just can't cut his head off. Yeah. Not quite yet, not until episode four. Yeah, well, even then he kind of just does this, you know. Um, he's just like, eh, eh, and you know, ugh, you're dead. So, <laughs> but, well, you know. Yeah, even yeah when he, does, when he does say, like, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. The same way, I will destroy you. 
you know, that's mm-hmm. a, 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 a good quote, yes. And, and then Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan just leaves him behind, which I guess, like, I guess Obi-Wan is meant to be merciful here, even though he was like, yeah, I will do what I must, as in, like, he'll kill Vader if he has to. But I guess he didn't yeah. have to, even though he could have. They needed, again, they did not finish. So Wait. I I know why Obi, I could see why Obi-Wan wouldn't kill his apprentice again. Yeah. He's like a I son can, to him. I he's club, and he's in a light side Jedi, so he's not going to just be killing people. We know that they do sometimes, but uh, okay, maybe Obi-Wan just doesn't have the, the gumption to do it. But there needed to be a, a scene, a flashback, something that just like, I can't quite, I can't, I can't. But they know, he just kind of was like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> no, give him like a scene where you have some intimate, there's intimate scenes between those two actors. Why don't yes. you just have him flash yes. back to one of those? And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I know the universe is just like, but I can't be the guy who kills what is essentially a son to me. You, you know, had that whole duel flash- between them and the previous episode and the flashback yeah. to the duel. And you're like, yeah, you had that, you know. Maybe yeah, why don't you just have a moment where he's like, okay, I know I need to kill him, but I just can't. I can't do this to my surrogate son. You know, I'm just not powerful enough. Because Obi-Wan has weakness. Yeah. You know yeah. that he's a liar. He's got a bunch of trauma. Uh, we know that through the series and the episodes and the movies. So let him, let us see that trauma so that it makes sense that he doesn't deliver the death blow. Yeah. So he walks away. And then Invader's fortress on Mustafar, he's determined to track down Obi-Wan and kill him, and Palpatine he, uh, calls in and says Vader might be letting his feelings and his past weaken him. Uh, this was, you know, a nice little scene to have, like, you know, I guess, you, you, I guess, you know, it's always, like, you gotta have, like, the legacy characters, I guess, you gotta have young Leia, you gotta have young Luke, and now you gotta bring back Ian McDiarmid as, uh, as Palpatine, <laughs> but hey, you know what, I'm, uh, except for the way Palpatine was used in, uh, and that's episode nine. Typically, I I'm all for Palpatine, you know. I think this again is another like we've talked about the other characters that just add a little bit of flavor. We got to see a little bit of their relationship as uh you know emperor and master of the Imperials and his apprentice mm-hmm. Darth Vader. That weird kind of relationship they have. We got to see a little intimacy there as mm-hmm. between the evil guys. Um, I, I really like that too. I thought that was a good moment, and it was, he wasn't overused, thank God. And uh, yeah, he got to say, "Hey, look, I think you're you need to chill out." And he became that kind of cold, detached menace that he is in the rest of the the series. Yeah. And then we also we also go back to Alderaan, and that's where Obi Wan is like he, he tells Leia like, "Hey, no one can know about what what we did." You know, like I said, like I said before. And that's why, like, no one ever mentions this in the original trilogy. Um, <laughs> also, kind of funny when Leia she dresses herself up and she arms herself with a holster. Just like not a holster. I mean, it's fine. They, I, you gotta have some nods to. I think everything in every episode or every piece of cinema is not going to be for everyone. So that was kind of a nod to people, maybe that would get a kick out of that or would find that inspiring. And I'm okay with that. I can yeah. see that she's a strong, you know, independent woman. I'm good with that. And, uh, I, but I think Carrie Fisher in episode four was, uh, was a lot better example of like the strong independent woman. Like, Oh, I'm a princess being saved. And she's like, uh, no, 
Uh, this is a terrible, this is a terrible, you are terrible at saving people. Come on, I'm going to take control of this. And she's, so she is a great character. I love, oh, yeah. I love Leia. So it's just a nod. She's a yeah. kind of a strong leading woman. And I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And now Obi-Wan is setting up home in his cabin. And he realizes now that Luke, you know, hey, Luke needs to be a boy. He can't just grow up so quickly. And Owen is like, hey, you want to meet him? So Obi-Wan is like, sure. And he says, hello there to Luke. And now it's like, yeah. and I, it, it actually, it took me, it took me, it took me a moment to catch on to this. And then I was like, oh, okay. I get to call oh. back now. I get it. Yeah. I mean. I embrace the meme. I, I've heard I heard some stuff that uh, Ewan McGregor was like really against doing that meme, but um, hey, he did. Uh, I think the ultimate where we leave it, Obi Wan deciding he needs to grow up with some loving parent fi figures, and not rather than being taken away from his family like Jedi were as children to be trained. I think maybe he's seeing the old way of the Jedi isn't going to work because yeah. look what happened to Anakin. So maybe if I'd let him grow up with his parents and from afar. Yeah. So I'll just watch over. And, yeah, I, I thought that was, that was, that was an effective conclusion. And I didn't know also Riva is about to kill Luke, but early on, but then she ended up bringing him back to Owen, Baru and Obi-Wan. And I, I like the, I like the moment where she asks if she turned into Vader and Obi-Wan assures her that she shows it not to. And now, you know, two of them are both free. And yeah, you know, I like that. You know, she's she's going down her road of redemption now. You know, and it makes a lot of sense to where her character starts in Fallen Order, is the like idea that she comes out of a dark, this darkness that's consumed her life of vengeance, and she so she spares Luke, and then asks, you know, her Obi Wan, uh, you know, what who am I? What am I doing here? You know, please tell me what to do. And he's like, No, you're free. And then so she goes on to her later things. And so I think it's good. In general, like, even, even like the way her arc unfolds, especially towards the end of the show, I feel like it was meant to show, like, especially when she failed to kill Vader, I think it's meant to prove the, you know, the pointlessness of vengeance, how it can just mm -hmm. eat you up, it just consumes you. And, but in the end, it's all just futile. You know, yeah. it, it just gives you no purpose. You didn't, you didn't accomplish your entire goal and your whole life was to have vengeance. And in the end, it changed nothing. Yeah. And now you just have all this more trauma. So, yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I actually, and that was such a well-acted scene too. It was, she, yeah. it, she really killed it in that last scene. Like, yeah. uh, the actress, props to her. And, and she was also in a Queen's Gambit, by the way. I didn't know that because I, I, I hadn't seen no. Queen's Gambit. So I was looking at yeah, the credits and I was like, oh, Queen's Gambit. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I, I really, she, she was, again, any complaints I have about that character, I blame solely on the writers, yeah. not on the actress. Yeah. The, the actor is doing, uh, doing, uh, give, delivering a, a good performance here, you know, doing the best mm -hmm. of the script. And, and then, and then right at the end, now we have a, Obi-Wan just riding off on his camel-like creature, and now we have a Qui-Gon Jinn's Force Ghost appearing, and he says, come on, we've got a ways to go. Oh and I can goodness. see you, I can see, I can see you on the camera, You're, you you don't look like you enjoyed this. Do you feel like maybe this, this was a too fan service perhaps? A hundred percent. Okay, so let me, let me just, I love Liam Neeson. Oh yeah. I loved him in episode one. 
again. Me too. Me too. Anything that was wrong with him was because of the scriptwriters. So we put him in the end, and he just has this meaningless, nebulous line just because he's there. Like, where were... I, I'm with Ewan McGregor. I'm with Obi-Wan. Where were you this whole freaking time? Like, that's my question. They could have put him... Oh, my God. Is Liam Neeson cost too much? They couldn't have him in, like, episode four, you know, guiding him or saying... They, again, if you have this tool, why did we not use it in, like, the last few? I know... And I was kept waiting for it because he keeps, like, doing this, like, Obi-Wan, I need... Or, uh, Qui-Gon, I need you. I need you, Master. I need you. And, he, and I thought, okay, he's going to pop up this time. Yeah. yeah, and he never did. And then they just kind of, oh, here, huh, here it is in the last episode. It's meaningless now. I'm like, ugh, why are you using such a great tool as a throwaway fan service thing in the last moment? Ugh, at least make him say something significant. Yeah, be like, oh, this is the reason I couldn't help you. Nope. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So sorry, I am yeah. not into it. Oh well. If, if... I, I kind of feel the same way, and and that and this is also the moment to make me think like, oh, will there be a second season because of this? And I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Maybe there will, maybe there won't. Who knows? If they if, if they can afford the season, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's, they better use him if they're going to. If yeah. he's gonna have some sort of like like thing to do. But again, what is the adventure for season two? What is Obi Wan gonna do? Because it can't involve Luke. It can't involve Leia. We can't do that yeah. again. Yeah. So is he just going to go off on some different adventure to save some different Star Wars character that either is made up from whole cloth or is pulled somewhere else? Okay, fine. Yeah, but, maybe. Maybe. Uh, you better not. You better not just like force this. It's a little much. I think if it ended and we were over with Obi Wan again, Ewan McGregor is a, a love of mine, and I would love to see him as Obi Wan again. Uh, but. I wouldn't sacrifice it. I don't want to sacrifice the good just to see him in another season. Yeah. Uh, and that's, we've, we've covered now all of the episodes, all six episodes Yay. of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's a whole breakdown. We've, we, we've been going, we've been talking for two hours. This is, I feel like this was a, a meaty discussion. I'm really glad. That we it was, it was meaty. Um, I mean, uh, there's a lot there. I think I've lowered my overall score maybe to like an 82 Rather than an eighty nine point five, but again, still a B, still a solid B. We're still in the yeah. B range. And for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with fifty five. <laughs> You're like, no, it's still F. <laughs> I think like even on even on Letterboxd, I think I rated this two and a half out of five stars. So just right in the middle there, you know. But hey, again, I think especially when I have the Mandalorian, I'm just like, come on, it's like. The Mandalorian is just yeah. fantastic, and when I compare something like this or the Book of Boba Fett to the Mandalorian, which, I don't know, by the way, Book of Boba Fett, that got really great once you actually brought in Din Djarin. The two episodes yeah. of that show that are basically the, Mandal the first two episodes of season three of The Mandalorian, those are amazing, in my opinion. Yeah, we, yeah I mean, that's... That's just true. Unfortunately, as much as I love the actor that plays Boba Fett, it just, the flashbacks is just so much. We're like, come on, can we get what? into some Boba Fettin' and some Mandalorian? Fantastic opinions. Yeah. I love the flashbacks, actually. I thought they were much more compelling than the present-day scenes. <laughs> Gosh, that's so funny. We just, I think, you know, my brother and I had this conversation. We, because my brother and I are very opposite as well in our Star Wars views. I 
love the spirit. If I could plug one thing, uh, it's a YouTube short documentary called How Star Wars Was Saved in the Edit. And it's a 15-minute documentary about how George Lucas almost ruined Star Wars Episode Four, And even though he created it. And the fact that it was just turned into this kind of fun space romp that was uh, not too deep in the lore. We got deeper in Episode 5 and 6. But it was saved because I, the spirit of Star Wars, I feel, is just a fun space romp with laser swords and blasters and starfighters. Yeah, kind of corny. That's what the spirit was. Yeah, a little bit corny, a little bit campy. And that's okay because yeah. Flash Gordon, that's what I was looking for. It was based on kind of like Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit, it's okay to have some camp. And we've gotten way too serious as we talked about the community being way too serious. So yeah. um, I'm okay with Star Wars being a little bit lighter. So eh, that's maybe where I land on it and maybe why I'm a little bit more forgiving at some stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, again, not the whole breakdown of the show. I'm, do you have any more thoughts? On Obi Wan Kenobi, I think I've exhausted it. I I think people know where I stand on it at this point. Good, good, and you know, same for me. I'll just add that I forgot to mention that uh, Maya Erskine, she was in the show, and she I I thought she'd have a bigger role when I first heard about her being cast in the show. But then it turns out, oh no, she has like this minor role as a member of the cast, and which is too bad. I, I wanted a bigger role for her, but oh well. I mean, you can do only so much in the. Uh... The whole universe there's a again if we did maybe 10 episodes i think you could have explored some different storylines and um but i th- i do think i feel the time crunch i think you hit the nail on the head when you said that covid kind of messed with some of the production yes. and they yeah. they couldn't do some stuff they wanted to yeah. you, you can even feel that sort of stuff like uh even like the falcon went to soldier it's like even after hearing like oh they had this whole plan to do like a like, like a pandemic the villains were gonna like spread this virus to create a pandemic or something like that and it's like, oh, like, well, like they, they had to cut it out because of COVID. And then it's like, oh, like, you know, we, we can't we can't have a whole thing where like we, we can't have people watching stuff about the pandemic and viruses during the actual pandemic. And then it's also a bit, like a little bit on the head. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like happening with that, or like even like with WandaVision, like when you're watching that show and even like in the finale, they're like, Oh, everyone is spread out evenly. There's no one like being bunched together. And you're like, Oh, they had to be spaced out, you know. COVID yeah, and I, I feel, yeah, I feel like people are, you know, it's funny. I was listening to your episode uh, about uh, Moon Knight, and I really wanted to jump into that because I'm, like, <laughs> that was Moon Knight is such an example of. I love the first five episodes, and episode six ruined it because it was so rushed. Oh, really? It felt like oh. they needed like two episodes to do that whole end, and they didn't. So I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I, I just don't like when things feel rushed then again i don't like sitting in a theater for three and a half hours for a movie so <gasps> i know like it's even like a batman it's all it's almost three hours and i haven't seen it yet i want to yeah. see it but i i, I have heard people say like oh it's plot dense like it, it's, it's plot heavy it needs to be almost three hours as long if, if if something needs to be that long then hey i can sit down i can just enthrall me for the whole t- runtime and i'll be okay it's when you feel bloated yeah. When you feel like you're just dragging on, that's when I have a problem. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, we, we've, been, we've been chatting just a little too long now. We gotta we, we gotta wrap this up. We're gonna move on now from the Obi Wan Kenobi breakdown, and now we're gonna move on to good words. This is where each of us can give a recommendation for anything we want—a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, 
music, etc. So, Brojam, what is your good word? So, I, when you said this, because I, you know, don't have like a personal YouTube presence, or you know, I am a, a, a director of, of New Game Plus, uh, the retro gaming podcast. So please do check that out. And we already kind of mentioned it, but yeah. I was thought, what do I want to plug if I wanted to? people to do something something to be elevated and it has to be if you've never heard of the writer brandon sanderson brandon sanderson is the author of a lot of different things and my favorite of his is the stormlight archive which is his series his kind of epic series that he's going on right now so if you love star wars and you want to see what happens when st- and brandon sanderson literally says this it's star wars mashed up with like high fantasy um and that's the Stormlight Archives. You know, you've got uh, giant swords and kind of mech suits. And, and it's it's very, when I first heard about it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to like this. And then I just love it. Brandon Sanderson's become my favorite um, author. I've read everything was. I really love like his Mistborn series and and all that. But Stormlight Archive, if you want to just pick up that first book and, and get into it, it's a long haul, but it is very... I think Star Wars adjacent. You, if you're into Star Wars and 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 you're okay with fantasy and you want to see something that's very very unique in the book world, Brandon Sanderson Stormlight Archives, amazing series. It, um, Brandon Sanderson, why I like him so much. He said how he writes characters is he makes a character that's compelling, that's realistic. In fact, he, you know, he has like a disabled character that's a, a paraplegic, and he interviewed paraplegics and asked how they would act and and in these situations that he was going to put them in the book and and really try to write accurate character for that and then she's like yeah so after i find a compelling character that's emotionally makes sense and is dealing with trauma and yeah maybe they can throw fireballs as well he adds the fantasy (laughs) aspect after he writes a very good character and that comes through in his uh in his books then on top of it he's an excellent lore writer that has really cool magic systems and really cool uh, environments that his books take place. So, Brandon Sanderson, everything he writes, but specifically, try the Stormlight Archive. Yeah, you know what? I I, I really want to check out more of his work. I so the only book I've read by him is Steel Hearts, and it's the first book in the Reckoners series, and it's this white like mm-hmm. YA sci-fi like superhero novel. Uh, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I want I I don't know why I haven't gotten back to the Reckoners series, and I want to read more of his work. You know, I'm always like you know I'm always hearing like you know seeing like you know much Dustin loves his work and I'm seeing you know some talk about Brand, uh, about Brandon Sanderson and uh and Discord channel and I want to I want to get into more of his work even like a yeah like Stormlight Archives I've heard about also uh Skyward I really want to check out his Skyward series mm. yeah. ironically Skyward's the only one I haven't read yet and I they I like Steelheart but the young adult side of his thing I'm just not as into it so, uh, I, although I really like Steelheart, and I and you definitely should period, finish that series. It's, it goes in some cool directions. Uh, but and all of his stuff, except I don't think Skyward is, but and Steelheart is different. But all of his stuff is is in the Cosmere, and it's all related. And he actually has characters kind of intercross. Oh, like, I think he says like Steelheart's different. Part of like yeah, a it's a, it's called the Cosmere, and he all of his books is are Cosmere books. But I think specifically he said Steelheart's not part of it. Although it could be. I don't know why. Maybe he's lying. He does do that sometimes where he like obfuscates because he doesn't want to spoil stuff. So he's like, oh yeah, it's not. No, nothing's happening. And then later, two books later, he's like, ha see, I tricked you. 
Alright, well that's that's good, that's good. And and now for my good word, I'm going to select everything everywhere all at once. This is a, a movie that I finally got around to watching recently after having heard so much hype around it, and I'm glad to say that it deserves the hype. Uh, this is so far the best movie I've seen of 2022, and it's just like it, this whole mo- it's, it's a way it just explores the multiverse. I feel like it's just so much more, so much more creative than what the MCU is doing right now. Granted, like I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm a fan of the MCU. Uh, the MCU, I think, does some pretty interesting things with the multiverse, including Loki. I feel like Loki is definitely an example of that. But, uh, I don't know, like, and, and also, everything everyone all at once is a standalone movie. It doesn't have to be restrained by being part of a franchise, or it doesn't have that freedom. But, you know, that being said, just with, I, it, it is such a fantastic movie. Like, it is so emo- emotionally compelling, and it's got some and these complicated relationships between the characters. Especially like this mother-daughter dynamic, it has so many like layers to it, and it's so heartbreaking and compelling. And it's also like, man, we've, we, 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 this year we've got like both this mother-daughter da- dynamic and mother-daughter dynamic and turning red, which I also loved. And Michelle Yeoh is fantastic in this. Kehui Kwan, uh, even like a, a Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Is, is is just amazing in, in this, and it, it, it's the whole cast. I, I, I love the whole cast, uh, and it, it's bonkers. Like it goes to some wild, it's it, it some there's some wild stuff too, and just like I, I don't even want to spoil it, but it just it gets wild. It it, it gets it, it gets weird. It goes it goes in some strange directions. Yeah, so oh, I'm glad you recommended that. I have to watch that. It it, it it really is amazing and yeah so everything everywhere all at once uh it's just it really I, is I, I, I'm I, sorry I, that I, I haven't watched it I thought I've, I've seen it and I know I would like it but it's just kind of went to the back burner I have a huge crush on Michelle Yeoh she's I, I, oh, I love her and so I yeah I've, all right you've convinced me I'm gonna watch that yes yeah, next time we talk I'm gonna have watched it yeah, definitely watch it. Yeah, Stephanie Sue, she played Michelle Yeoh's daughter in the movie, and she was great, too. She was also in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. She had a small role in that. And I was like, oh, that's why, that's why I thought you looked familiar. And James Hong, James mm-hmm. Hong is in it, too. And Jenny Slate. And, and James Hong, he's in so much stuff. I'm glad to see him in the movie. So many credits to his name, but... Yeah, that's my good word. Everything, ever, all at once. I highly, like, I would be shocked. I, I think this could be, like, nominated, nominated for Best Picture next year at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And and Huey Kwan, like I think he deserves a nomination too. Like his performance was just it was so enthralling. And, oh, yeah, that's my that's my good word. And, nice. Alright, so now we can uh, plug our source forward. I don't know, like I think you mentioned earlier you don't really have any source forwards to plug, but if you do, you know, you can plug them here. My only social I will say, check out uh New Game Plus podcast, ngppodcast.com. Join our Discord. We're a great community. We're very welcoming, and it's a lot of fun. You don't have to play every retro game. You don't even have to really be a retro gamer. Just come hang out, uh, meet the uh, guys, and listen to the podcast, because it's a great podcast, which is why I uh, am a Patreon supporter. Yes. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore critic. You can follow my personal Twitter account at Anshu underscore ant18. Uh, you can also find me on uh, on Goodreads at Audra Howell. 
and on Good Pod, StoryGraph, and Letterboxd at author underscore ant18. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email at twocentscritic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at twocentscritic.com. And make sure you rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's uh, whether it's you know, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you know, any of those, any, any of those channels, uh, you know, helps with the algorithm and really, you know, helps with the numbers, spread the podcast to more listeners. And Rojan, I really want to thank you for being able to come on here and making, making time for this. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm honored to, to be here. Thanks for asking me, and thank you for your listeners yeah. listening to me. Uh, just a, a fan, so uh, great to be here. I had a lot of fun. You're welcome. You're welcome. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong. <laughs>